106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Mr. Speaker, Mr. President, distinguished members of the Congress, honored guests, and fellow citizens. Today marks my first State of the Union address to you, a constitutional duty as old as our republic itself. President Washington began this tradition in 1790 after reminding the nation that the destiny of self-government and the preservation of the sacred fire of liberty is finally staked on the experiment entrusted to the hands of the American people. For our friends in the press who place a high premium on accuracy, let me say, I did not actually hear George Washington say that. I am just here to remind all minorities that with what's going on in the world today, you have got to be happy about whatever you got in your life right now. That's my message. Because, because the world is crazy right now. What is gas? $600 a gallon right now? how much money you got gas is entirely too high that's all i'm saying you are not supposed to be at the gas station making life decisions you just at the pump just negro did i eat today i can't get no half a tank i got six cigarettes i can't even do it they, they done messed up the whole gas station experience used to be if you had 10 15 dollars you could go to the gas station with confidence because you knew you was either going to be full or damn near full if you had a 20, you ain't even talk to the person at the counter. You just 20 on the left. <laughs> they done messed up the whole gas station experience. Used to be, if you put $15 in your tank, you had time to bond with your vehicle. You had time to put the nozzle in and set the clicker and look through your car and clean off the dashboard and look through your CDs and run in the store, get some Pringles and a Snapper, and it'll still be pumping. Now if you put $15 in, you can't even turn around good for a bitch click. As soon as you put it in, just click, click. There ain't no gas in that car. We are seeing people who are vaccinated and boosted who are getting breakthrough infections. So when you're in a situation where you have so many infections going out, the thing that you want to say is that if you want to do things like that, better do them in a setting where you know the people around you are vaccinated and boosted. And we are seeing people who are vaccinated and boosted who are getting breakthrough infections. Two seconds later. Better do them in a setting where you know the people around you are vaccinated and boosted. And do you even listen to yourself when you talk? I drift in and out. Good evening. This is Lou Benninger. You're listening to No Hostages Radio. If I sound a little nasally, <clears throat> I am because 
I don't have any of the COVID variants, but I have a common cold, which I'm naming the variant of Mack Truck 22. So, uh, you know, with uh, hurricanes and uh, COVID now, uh, you can name the common cold anything you want. Instead of just like, oh, I got a cold, you can say, oh, I got uh, Omicron or I've got Delta or I've got uh, covid but they're all COVIDs. That's what the medical people tell me in the lab. That's what they call them. And the reason they've never been able to come up with a vaccine for them is because they got, every time you find them, they leave. Uh, you, can't, you can't catch them. They keep mutating and changing. So all you people that took the vax, I'm sorry for you. I feel bad for you. But you're, uh, you've goofed up your immune system, and you didn't get any immunity out of the deal. So uh, we're going to spend three hours, or sorry, two hours today, and I may cough once in a while because I got a little cold, and it's not my, uh, it's not my, I don't get excited about trying to do a show when I have a cold, although I'm well prepared as normal, but my, um, I'm just ho- hoping I don't get into a little hack, but my friend just, a friend of mine dropped by some elderberry lozenges and some elderberry drink that she says is a miracle worker. So I'm counting on that tonight. And uh, this show will appear on uh, the 8th of January, 2022, and it's episode number 145 called No Hostages Radio. And you can get it on your regular podcast source, or you can go to our website at nohostagesradio.com. So you can also reach me by email uh, just adding Lou, L-O-U, that's L-O-U at nohostagesradio.com, and you can email me anytime you want, and I will read it. And uh, some of you are taking me up on the offer. I'm also going to give you my cell phone number, which I give. People say, oh, I can't believe you're giving it out on the air. I said, hey, I work with criminals, and they all have it, so I don't mind if you have it. It's 530 713 one eight three eight five three zero seven one three one eight three eight and you can text me on that or you can call me on that if you wish i am on the left coast so uh you know sort out the hours in between us when you dial me up i do sleep some i sleep more than i used to i used to run this uh trauma intervention program and uh, be i was a chaplain for a number of years and so i frequently got dialed up in the middle of the night and always had my phone right near my head so I would be on top of it and wouldn't miss an emergency. Nowadays, uh, no reason to do that. I try to get plenty of sleep. So thank you for listening. Let's see if there's anything else. Uh, We do have a live show on Saturdays you can listen to. It starts at 10 a.m. in the morning, finishes at 1. It's a three-hour show. It's a little bit different than this. but uh, pretty close, some pretty close. I'll just leave it at that without beating that to death. So you can reach me uh, at, uh, if you're out of the area, you can go to live, L-I-V-E, 365, the numbers, dot com, and then just click on radio. That, that uh, site hosts a lot of different media. Click on radio and then put in K-M-Y-C, K-M like in Marysville, Y-C, Yuba City, K-M-Y-C, uh, And and it should come up, KMYC. 
And so you don't have to put in the call numbers. Just KMYC it should pop right up. And whatever's on, you should be listening to it live on your tablet or phone, whatever you want to listen to. So I think that's it. I'm going to, um, let's see. I want to mention right away something we kind of missed because for some reason, Peggy Hall down in Southern California has a website uh, called thehealthyamerican.org, thehealthyamerican.org. If dealing with all this COVID nonsense, and when I say nonsense, I mean deception, fraud, misinformation, disinformation, uh, heavy uh, pressure, arm twisting, illegal activities being done by the government. Uh, Peggy Hall and her husband, David, are amazing researchers, and they are helping people defend themselves against folks that are just firing firing them and uh, and thinking they're going to get away with it, violating OSHA, violating federal employment laws, and all that kind of stuff. So if you go to her website, no hosti- uh, sorry, uh, thehealthyamerican.org, you can find all kinds of free video clips on all kinds of topics rega- regarding masks, you know, something as mundane as masks, to employment, to your personal violation of your rights, how to deal with your employer, all that kind of stuff. So uh, they also have been helping with exemption letters and many other things. Uh, I've I've met Peggy and her husband before. They're wonderful people. They're good as gold. And her information is top-notch. So the reason I'm bringing this up, there was a this, I'm actually producing this show on Thursday, the 6th, and she had a an email seminar for 50 minutes. It was a workshop uh, to learn how to sue Kaiser Hospital or Kaiser, Kaiser Permanente. And uh, she had an attorney on there, and usually when she has these folks on, she also records it, and then you can pay a little bit and watch it later on her website. So, and, and actually, if you can, uh, you can, when you go to that website, if you subscribe to her emails, she will send you her emails and lots of heads up stuff for free. So if you're fighting employment battles, uh, she can help you. So, uh, so today, Thursday, which I know you're listening to this on Saturday, if you listen to it right away at uh, four, per, 4 PM left coast time, there's a 50 minute workshop. Now, <coughs> Uh, she says, the Healthy American has joined forces with Dan Watkins and his legal associates to bring powerful cases against the worst of the tyrants, including the California Department of Health, the Secretary of Health and Human Resources, and the Governor of California. If you've ever wondered how much a wrongful termination lawsuit costs, how long it takes, how much money it typically is typically rewarded, how to find the right attorney, this is the webinar that's going to give you those answers. Even if you don't live in California or work for Kaiser, you will learn about how wrongful termination lawsuits work, what the costs are, how much time it takes, and what to look for to know if you have a strong case or not. Um, So at the workshop, and again, the workshop is recorded, Uh, You'll learn current status of Kaiser exemption and denial process. Number two, organizing cases for litigation. Number three, how being 
put on unpaid leave constitutes an adverse employment action against the employee, giving rise to a lawsuit. Number four, an overview of the litigation process in terms of obligations and expectations. And five, how can you take the next steps in getting representation from Mr. Watkins and his associates? I'm giving this to you because many of you have talked to me, said, Lou, we got fired from the high school. We were employed at the high school. We got fired from the hospital. We got fired from here, there, and everywhere. We're getting fired from the military. What can we do? And I know a lot of attorneys. I mean, I'm not in on, I don't run with attorneys, but I know them around here. Not a lot of employment attorneys around here. But I, when you find a good employment attorney, they're worth their weight in gold. So uh, I'm telling you that Peggy Hall would not play games with a half-baked employment attorney and put her on, uh, put him on her show or on her webcast webinar. So listen, wherever you are, and whatever your problem is with employment, uh, touch base here. Now, my experience with good attorneys is if they can't take your case, and if they're, they're working in the area that you need, then they will refer you to somebody in your region, or maybe they will take your case. That's why I'm going to talk about it. That's why I'm talking about it right now to tell you how to get, how to get up on it. So what I would do is go to her uh, website, thehealthyamerican.org, and um, and check out the talk with Watkins, Mr. Watkins, Dan Watkins, and then uh, and then sign up for her email. That list the fight isn't over here. This is going to be an ongoing fight. When we first started this, we were fighting over keeping us locked down, and we were fighting over masks, and we were fighting over uh, taking away our rights. Right. And now it's gotten more and more, um, the stakes have gotten higher. And so here we go. So I'm, I'm just giving you, my, my role here on this podcast is to give you, equip you with, a, with effectual information that you can go to work in your community. That's what this is all about. Uh, I try to do things that are entertaining, keep your attention, but it's not about entertainment. My goal is to get your attention and get you some good information. There's no, this is a no a bull uh, S-H-I-T show. And I'm just giving you what I know to be true. I wouldn't ever give you something I knowingly knew was ac- uh, completely false. I just, I have no interest in that. I'm almost 100 years old and I have no interest. The only reason I'm even doing this show is I got grandkids. And my kids are old enough to uh, call it as they see it and make their own decisions but my grandkids are not, and I'm not going to go down without a fight on this COVID stuff or any other stuff where, where uh, the government uh, tries to take away our constitutional rights. And uh, many, many men and women have lost their lives and their estates and their children uh, to get those rights to us. And I'm not going to be some pussy uh, not not fighting for them. So... Uh, so that's that. So I'm going to give you that right away. Um, also, I got a call from one of the ladies that's on the uh, Central Committee of Yuba County, and she said, Lou, I think you misspoke. That means I screwed up. She didn't use misspoke. She was kinder than that even. But she said, I think you gave wrong information regarding our meeting, uh, which I think I announced a potluck. I thought I was announcing a potluck uh, 
before the end of the year for them, but maybe I said uh, January 7th was a potluck, which is for another another organization. It's Friday, uh, yesterday. But anyway, all I'm announcing now is when their ongoing monthly meeting is, and that is it's switched to the third Tuesday of the month, of each month, and uh, the reason is is they want their members that are either on the committee, on the board, or just participants and uh, in the central committee they want their participants to be in the board meetings, talking to school trustees, talking to city council people, talking to supervisors about what their concerns are about our community in Yuba County. And this is also going to be replicated in Sutter County. <coughs> so third Tuesday of each month, it's at Hallwood Community Church. It, this isn't a group to just go to and listen to good speakers. I, I'm not against good speakers. This is not what this is about. This is activism. So they're meeting at the Hallwood Community Church, 2825 Highway 20. That's just east of Marysville, about five minutes out of town. Uh, the church building is located right across from Cordova Elementary School. Their phone number is 530-777-5021, 777-5021. And uh, you can go to their website, which I continually give wrong, but it... It, it seems to change. When I change it, then it changes back for some reason. It, it's crazy. So, uh, but the website, because it did change. It was one way, and then they changed it. So the website is Yuba County, Y-U-B-A County, R-C-C dot org. Okay? Or dot com. It's dot com. You know, now I'm confused. So I, I have to check it. I, I get it completely wrong every week now i just can't figure it out so uh i think it's dot org let me change it here so okay if you ever figure it out you will think i solved a great mystery okay go to this the reason i'm telling you about it is i want you to go to it and if you're a conservative person and you want somebody to work with you want to do something i want to encourage you to go get involved and you don't have to be a committee member, like voted in. You you don't have to be a board member, voted in, take that much responsibility. But you can be you can be a participant, a worker. We need workers to sign up people to vote, to to canvas, to do a lot of things, do phone calling. So uh, if you want a conservative county, you're going to have to get involved in making it a conservative county because right now we have what we call a. Uh, Republican and name only county. We do not have a conservative county in Yuba County. And it could be, but enough people, there's too many passive, serious conservatives. So it's it's time to put our foot down and make a difference. There's a lot of, I, I have a, uh, a clip, but I don't know what I have. Let me just say this. There's a lot of misinformation. In fact, the public school system did not even talk about real history in the United States. It's all been lies and propaganda for the last 30 years, maybe 40 years. But uh, I'm into uh, exposing that. And the word you get, in fact, I think last week I played a Thomas Sowell clip about slavery, which was the facts, which were the facts, and that the United States didn't create slavery. The United States didn't uh, start slavery. 
uh, the United States didn't come up with the idea of slavery. The United States, some people in the United States decided to purchase slaves that were offered to them, which was a worldwide phenomenon at the time, and it continues to be a worldwide phenomenon. The unique thing about the United States is we fought a war to stop it. The blacks uh, that are uh, particularly twisted in their minds, the charlatan blacks that want to make and want to make something out of it hundreds of years later are on the hustle, like hustling drugs, and they don't tell the whole story. But there were many, many white people and other flavors of people that were trying to stop slavery. And just like a lot of you liberals that uh, want to talk trash about our country, but you can't figure out how to change it, right? You're all critical of people back in that day when there were millions of slaves and had been there for many years, and now you can just snap your, you think you can, they could just snap their fingers and change things. Even though the, the government, the, our, outlined, our outlined document, uh, spoke against slavery. So every once in a while I highlight one of these fellows, and I'm highlighting this guy named Thomas Garrett. <clears throat> Thomas is an old white guy. He was an American abolitionist and leader in the Underground Railroad. I probably You probably thought that a lot of the Underground Railroad were black people. Now there are a lot of white people. This is before the Civil War. Because of his fight against slavery, he was so notorious, he was the subject to threats, harassment, and, thought, and assaults. A bounty was put on his head that today would be the equivalent of $311,080. In 2020 dollars, three hundred thousand dollars. So they wanted to kill the guy pretty bad, and so it wasn't hard to find people to track people down and kill people for that kind of money. That's huge money. Uh, over his life, he helped more than twenty five hundred African Americans escape slavery. Now I don't know whether he has any statues around America, but I'm sure some of these pussy Black Lives Matters and and Tifa people probably. Uh, tore them down, uh, not knowing anything about real history. Uh, so uh, today, I also want to mention that later in the, the telecast here, I'm going to play a clip uh, from Dr. Robert Malone, who was a creator of the mRNA vaccine. And that vaccine was then uh, cannibalized and used <clears throat> in these... Uh, he was the inventor of the mRNA technology or science. And then the people that are these quote-unquote vaccine makers, they're not vaccines, but they are uh, DNA changers. Alt- they alter your, your immune system. He is, you're going to hear him. First, Joe Rogan, uh, who is on Rumble, rumble.com. Joe Rogan interviewed Peter McCullough, who is the head of Baylor University Medical School and one of the top scholars medically in the country. He is a practicing doctor in Texas. But he also, so anyway, Rogan interviewed Peter McCullough for over two hours, and then he had uh, Malone come on for over three hours. So I'm not going to play all their their information. It's too much for me to fit in here, and I don't think you'd wait for it. But I'm going to play some clips from McCullough. And then I'm also going to play a couple uh, segments later, uh, uh, several clips laced together, strung together, 
on Malone. I know some of you uh, may not agree with my perspective on COVID, uh, but maybe you'll believe some experts that are smarter than people you're listening to. We're going to take a break right now. I have five more segments to do. Hang tight. Stands on golden sand and watches the ships that go sailing. These people are creating a terrible problem in our cities. They can't or won't hold a job. They flout the law constantly and neglect their children. They drink too much, and their moral standards would shame an alley cat. For some reason or other, they absolutely refuse to accommodate themselves to any kind of decent, civilized life. This was said in 1956 in Indianapolis, not about blacks or other minorities, but about poor whites from the South. Nor was Indianapolis unique in this respect. A 1951 survey in Detroit found that white Southerners living there were considered undesirable by 21% of those surveyed, compared to 13% who ranked blacks the same way. In the late 1940s, a Chicago employer said frankly, I told the guard at the plant gate to tell the hillbillies that there were no openings. When poor whites from the South moved into northern cities to work in war plants during the Second World War, occasionally a white southerner would find that a flat or a furnished room had just been rented when the landlord heard his southern accent. More is involved here than a mere parallel between blacks and southern whites. What is involved is a common subculture that goes back for centuries, which has encompassed everything from ways of talking to attitudes toward education, violence, and sex, and which originated not in the South, but in those parts of the British Isles from which white Southerners came. That culture long ago died out where it originated in Britain, while surviving in the American South. Then it largely died out among both white and black Southerners, while still surviving today in the poorest and worst of the urban black ghettos. It is not uncommon for a culture to survive longer where it is transplanted and to retain characteristics lost in its place of origin. The French spoken in Quebec and the Spanish spoken in Mexico contain words and phrases that have long since become archaic in France and Spain. Regional German dialects persisted among Germans living in the United States after those dialects had begun to die out in Germany itself. A scholar specializing in the history of the South has likewise noted among white Southerners archaic word forms, while another scholar has pointed out the continued use in that region of terms that were familiar at the time of the first Queen Elizabeth. The card game whist is today played almost exclusively by blacks, especially low-income blacks, though in the 18th century it was played by the British upper classes and has since then evolved into bridge. The history of the evolution of this game is indicative of a much broader pattern of cultural evolution in much more weighty things. Southern whites not only spoke the English language in very different ways from whites in other regions, their churches, their roads, their homes, their music, their education, their food, and their sex lives were all sharply different from those of other whites. The history of this redneck or cracker culture is more than a curiosity. It has contemporary significance because of its influence on the economic and social evolution of vast numbers of people, millions of blacks and whites, and its continuing influence on the lives and deaths 
of a residual population in America's black ghettos, which has still not completely escaped from that culture. From early in American history, foreign visitors and domestic travelers alike were struck by cultural contrasts between the white population of the South and that of the rest of the country in general, and of New England in particular. In the early 19th century, Alexis de Tocqueville contrasted white Southerners with white Northerners in his classic Democracy in America, and Frederick Law Olmsted did the same later in his books about his travels through the antebellum South, notably Cotton Kingdom. The cultural values and social patterns prevalent among Southern whites included an aversion to work, proneness to violence, neglect of education, sexual promiscuity, improvidence, drunkenness, lack of entrepreneurship, reckless searches for excitement, lively music and dance, and a style of religious oratory marked by strident rhetoric, unbridled emotions, and flamboyant imagery. This oratorical style carried over into the political oratory of the region in both the Jim Crow era and the Civil Rights era, and has continued on into our own times among black politicians, preachers, and activists. Touchy pride, vanity, and boastful self-dramatization were also part of this redneck culture among people from regions of Britain where the civilization was the least developed. They boast and lack self-restraint, Olmsted said after observing their descendants in the American antebellum South. While Professor Grady McWhiney's cracker culture is perhaps the most thorough historical study of the values and behavioral patterns of white Southerners, many other scholarly studies have turned up very similar patterns, even when they differed in some ways as to the causes. Professor David Hackett Fisher's Albion Seed, for example, challenges the Celtic Connection thesis put forth by Professor McWhiney but shows many of the same cultural patterns among the same people, both in Britain and in the American South. Popular writings of the 19th and 20th centuries have likewise described similar behavior, including the Indianapolis residents' comments on white Southern migrants to that city, which sounds so much like what many have said about ghetto blacks. None of this is meant to claim that these patterns have remained rigidly unchanged over the centuries, or that there are literally no differences between whites and blacks in any aspects of this subculture. However, what is remarkable is how pervasive and how close the similarities have been. Right, here we go. <clears throat> Number two segment. I uh, <clears throat> I normally go over some of the new laws that are uh, coming into effect in January, which it's January now, of course. And I don't have that prepared today, but usually you can go to like the Globe, Cal- the California Globe uh, new- online newspaper, and they do a great job of covering that. It's interesting that in California, we don't seem, the legislature doesn't seem to think that the peasants of California, 
nearly 40 million of us, have the ability to navigate through life without about 900 new laws every year. They, they just want to manage your every, every move. And so I want to cover those. I'll cover a few of the highlights probably next week, but you could jump on that if you're interested. Usually they post those in some kind of online or hard, car, hard copy newspaper where particularly highlight things that probably you're going to violate not knowing about it. But already, since 2022 is an election year, um, there are numbers of uh, measures or referendums on the 2022 ballot, which will be on the uh, November ballot. There's a primary, but generally these things now are pushed to the November ballot. So a friend of mine, Mona Murphy, said, hey, Lou, uh, I'm the chairperson for the Educational Freedom Act 2022. And so she said, can you talk about it on your podcast? And I said, well, of course I can. And I said, give me some information. So I'll probably talk about this many times because I'm very interested. I used to be on the school board, the county school board. I think, uh, you know, I used to go out on a lot of coroner calls for the deputy sheriff's department or the sheriff's department. And uh, it wasn't unusual for when we found a dead body. <clears throat> Our person was pronounced dead in the hospital or somebody thought somebody was dead in the bedroom <clears throat> or out on the grass that when people came up to say goodbye, they would think, wait, 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 wait. I think I saw him breathe. Right. I think, I think maybe he's not dead. And because they were <clears throat> wishing it to be so right. And then we'd have them checked again by the doctor or someone that, that's a medical professional, like a paramedic or something. And, uh, so I want to use that as an analogy to our, pu- our government education system. I used to call it a public education system, but now I don't call it the public. It isn't for the public. It's really for the teachers and the union it has nothing to do with children. So I call it the government education system. And the government education system is dead. And if you think there's a glint, glint of life or glimpse of life, I think you're just hoping against hope that there's you saw somebody breathe. But it's corrupted so seriously. <clears throat> it's corrupted so seriously that, that there's I don't believe there's any hope to bring it back to what it was when I went to school in California in the 1960s. And it was wonderful. The teachers were amazing. They dressed nice. They were great examples of human beings. Uh, they didn't look like a homeless person that just got a clean shirt showing up for work. Their hair was cut, combed, fixed, permed. Uh, they were they were sharp. They they were sharp and they looked sharp. And they taught uh, well. Uh, California education, I believe, was considered one of the number one systems in the country back in the 60s when I attended school, 50s and 60s. So I've watched it go down, and I've talked to educators from the inside that have watched it go down. So there's a educational freedom act. What is it? You know, it just seems fair. I always compare freedom to a taco. I like, I like to eat and, uh, I wish I could eat more, but I trying to watch my, my pant size. <clears throat> and, uh, 
But if I can't get a t- good taco one place, I try another place, and I try another place, and I try another place. And, I, and no one forces me to buy a taco at the poorest taco place and then have to buy a second taco somewhere else. In other words, I only have to pay for what I eat. In the school system, we have to pay for uh, the, the school, whether we eat it or not, whether we partake of it or not, whether we go to it or not. It's criminal. And uh, so it's led to a lack of performance and some of the highest payroll in the country. It's got the most administrators in the country and the highest payroll in the country. And I'll, I'll tell you how much money there is involved. It's so much money that the teachers can afford to give a hundred and something dollars a month between a hundred and two hundred dollars a month to the union. It's the biggest teachers union in the country. It's the biggest union in the country, the California teachers union. And it, it has never been since it became a big union back in the sixties. It has never been about the kids. Not surprisingly, the kids continually flunk and do horrible at the basics, like reading, math, those type of things, critical thinking. So I'm going to tell you about this Educational Freedom Act 2022, and I want you to help. It's not going to, uh, it may not be the perfect act for you, but any act is better than what we have now. And we need petition signers, and we need people to circulate petitions, okay? So, it's called, uh, you can go to a website called CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org. CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org. Um, and, you, and from there, you can read the full text of the act and frequently ask questions. So in, beginning in October of 2021, it was okayed for the ballot, but they have to get 1,500,000 signatures rough signatures to qualify 1 million good signatures. So if you're interested in changing the school system, quit whining about it and go out and get some signatures. So under this reform act, any K through 12 child in California can have it. They're going to start an educational savings account or an ESA. And it'll be established at the request of the parent or guardian uh, you must choose to be involved in it. You can't, you're not going to be involved in it automatically. You say, I want to be in the ESA program where some money is set aside for me. Number two, each ESA account will receive an equal ch- share of Prop 98 state education dollars. You'll get $14,000 per pupil per year in that account. And you'll be able to spend that at the, at the school of your choice. This is n- at a non-public school, non-government school. Number three, parents can use the the funds to enroll and pay tuition at any accredited private or parochial school. Do you hear me? Religious school. It's okay. This is not taxable to you. Parents who chose private education would pay, who choose private education, would pay any additional private education expenses above the amount funded. In other words, you're getting $14,000 a year towards your kid's private education, however you do it. Could be homeschool, right? Students in the public school or charter schools cannot receive the funding. In other words, if you decide, no, I want my kid in a government school. <coughs> I want my kid in a government school or charter school. 
then you're already receiving the funding, and you're not going to receive double funding, you see. Number five, homeschool students can also have an ESA to pay for qualified educational expenses if they educate through an accredited private school independent study program, right? Number six, homeschool students receive education through a private school affidavit can, receiving that, can establish an ESA and accrue funds there, but cannot access those funds until the child enrolls in the accredited school. All this sounds totally reasonable to me. The union hates this. Unspent ESA funds accrue in a low-risk portfolio. The student may use those funds up to age 30 for any accredited college or vocational training program in state, out of state, public, private. If the student moves out of state, the ESA no longer receives funding, but the balance is preserved. So in other words, uh, if you want to stay in the government school, stay in the government school and they're going to take care of your schooling. It's free in California. If you want to go to a private school or a parochial school, that means a religious school, Christian school, and they're accredited, they will give you $14,000 in an account to be paid towards your, your tuition or whatever, whatever the expenses are, okay? If you go on to college or you, you go on to a tech school or go on to lots of different schools, right? This, this reminds me of the, e, the uh, GI Bill after World War II. The GI Bill, the, the infantry, the military people came home after four or five years in the military, and they were trying to start their lives over. And they gave them a certain amount of money called the GI Bill, and they could spend that in whatever school they wanted. For instance, if one guy wanted to go back to college or finish high school and go to college or a, a secular college or if they wanted to go to a Christian college or if they wanted to be a priest or if they wanted to uh, be a doctor or if they wanted to be a, a, uh, a technician of some sort, a radiology technician, in other words, they could pick the school of their choice, whether it was religious or not. There were no rules in that fashion. Now, there's, there's some other things to this summary, but what I'm trying to do for Mona is to, there's, there's supposedly county uh, figureheads to promote this Californians for School Choice, the Educational Freedom Act 2022. The election will be the first Tuesday in November. But you can go online, Mona said, and, and check it out. Now, I don't know whether you can download a, a, a petition, but uh, we will get some petitions, and we will, I, I'm sure we'll, we'll see if we can get the Yuba County Republican Central Committee to begin circulating uh, these petitions. Now, Mona is over in Sutter County, which is just across the river from us. But this is the beginning of promoting it for Yuba and Sutter County. I don't know who the figurehead is. But um, anyway, this is a good thing. Now, normally, it sounds good, but the, the union will then spend $50 million to defeat this and say that it's going to ruin poor children and going to destroy the schools and all that kind of stuff. They don't want any, any competition. They're communists, right? Communists don't have competition. If they, got, if they make shoes, they got one shoemaker. That's all. That's all you got. You like those shoes? You don't want some shoes? There's the brown ones right over there. Put on a pair, whether you like them or not. Right? When I went to Beijing the first time in the early 1990s, there was one suit of clothes that everybody wore. They were blue Mao units. <coughs> and they had a little cap. And everybody wore the same thing. That's communism. And what capitalism has produced is some of the most successful, innovative, uh, most advanced uh, 
products and services the world has ever known. China is excellent at stealing what we've created. They do not have the ability to create like we do because in our culture, they're afraid to ask questions. They're afraid to, to practice out, you know, color outside the lines or they'll get shot. So that cuts down on creativity. So, uh, so check this out. California's for school choice. Uh, has submitted a California constitutional ballot. This is going to change the Constitution of California. The website is CaliforniaSchoolChoice.org. Hope you like that. Okay. we got about six and a half minutes left. I've been saying for two years, people thought I was off the hook, crazy, and every day things that I said two years ago, I'm not bragging, I'm not that smart. I just feel like I figured it. I I, I got a download. I I'm not not to get into the details. I went after Doctor Death Fong Lu, Joseph Mengla. She, if there ever is a Joseph Mengla for Yuba Sutter County, she's it. She's told us the wrong things to do on a on a daily basis. Wear a mask, stand apart, stay in your home, do this, do that, get a jab. Horrible, horrible advice. Close the schools. Horrible advice. National top thinkers now that aren't a part of the totalitarian agenda taking over the United States are now uh, standing up and putting it all in the line against people like Fong Lu, who is just a little a Nazi foot soldier. So now you realize that you can, if you've been injected with the shot, the jab, and you've got the boosters, you, you are still getting COVID, aren't you? And you're giving COVID to others, aren't you? And uh, you're actually more susceptible to illness than anybody else, more susceptible to a person that's never taken the jab. You may have regrets. I'm sorry. Maybe you can pray to God and he will uh, reverse the curse that you injected into your body. But um, what's happening is now that the immune system, your immune system that, that constantly dealt with the weaknesses in your body. You know, we all have weak bents. Some of us have a tendency to, when kids, you know how some kids would have acne and other kids weren't, those kids had a tendency for skin problems. And other kids had a tendency to asthma. You have tendencies. And uh, so what the immune system does is it constantly tries to keep and check those weak areas of our life. Now what's happening is hospitals are being flooded, not just with COVID people, but with people that have all kinds of ailments, herpes, big breakout of shingles. And why is that? Because herpes stays hidden. It's a virus stays hidden in your system until your immune system gets stressed and then it breaks out on skin. And we got all kinds of shingles patients. Now, right now in the hospitals, because they're being paid to cooperate, they're getting millions of dollars, each hospital, you're getting millions of dollars to uh, do the company line, no matter whether it's right or wrong. Did you know that the Hippocratic Hippocratic Oath, where the doctors take that oath to do no harm, that was changed, and the do no harm phrase was removed from that, either 2011, 2012? That's true. Some doctors still abide by it. Other doctors don't. And so right now we have hospitals that are, what they're doing is they're making a profit. We have vaccine makers, drug makers, Pfizer, all these, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, on and on and on. 
that are making a profit, a massive profit. And that's what they're interested in. And if somebody dies, somebody gets paralyzed, it's just kind of the, the cost of doing business. That's what it is. And so uh, we've been predicting from the very beginning that if you start jabbing people, that the, the, the negative effect on the immune system is going to cause them to have poor health because people get sick, people face challenges to their immune system other than COVID, right? Sorry, I just had to have a little drink of tea here. And so the immune system, if it's compromised, uh, they're going to get their butts kicked. So if there's a tendency to cancer, the side effects for COVID shots are uh, reproductive cancers. And on and on and on it goes. So all of a sudden, here's the first article I've read. Title, Life Insurance CEO. Nearly 100,000 excess deaths per month in the USA. Now, it's interesting because the first year of COVID, if you had a legitimate (coughs) toxic bubonic plague, very virulent, contagious, and deadly, you would have, you know, for instance, before COVID that we announced all this COVID danger, We've always had colds. That's COVID. But if you looked at Yuba Sutter County, the number of deaths per year, it would be almost the same. It's just like it's just like uh, it's the routine of the world. And the number of deaths internationally doesn't go up that much either. So it was interesting to see that the number of deaths. Dr. Lou said, oh, we have all these COVID deaths now. They weren't really COVID deaths. They were just, they, they labeled them with COVID and they died of something else. Gunshot to the head, stab wound, hit by a truck, pneumonia, cancer, you know, heart attack, right? Because all those numbers for all those normal numbers, if you look at the CDC website and you just look at the numbers of why people die every month or every year, you're going to see basically pretty fixed numbers and uh, it's just what people do it's like habits right you keep the same habits you die so uh, you die at some point some some sooner than others so if you would have had some devastating illness separate from all these other illnesses that was coming in on top of all these illnesses we should have had a big spike in deaths but we don't we didn't in 2021 2020, 2021, we didn't until now, <clears throat> until <clears throat> the mid-2021, mid, mid, mid 2021, once they started giving the shot. And it was predicted by many people that were medical people uh, that was predicted. And I'm going to tell you about it when we get back because we're, uh, let's see, one, two, oh, Uh, I may not have time to do the whole thing. We're going to do the McCullough clip right after this. So then I'll do it when we come back from McCullough. Okay? So we're coming right back for our third segment.
When my research assistant and her husband took my wife and me to dinner at a Chinese restaurant, I was impressed when I heard her for the first time speak Chinese as she ordered food. My assistant was born and raised in China, so I should have been impressed that she spoke English. But I took that for granted, because she always spoke English to me. We all have a tendency to take for granted what we are used to, and to regard it as somehow natural or automatic, and to be unduly impressed by what is unusual. Too many Americans take the United States for granted, and are too easily impressed by what people in other countries say and do. That is especially true of the intelligentsia, and dangerously true of those Supreme Court justices who cite foreign laws when making decisions about American law. There is nothing automatic about the way of life achieved in this country. It is very unusual among the nations of the world today, and rarer than four-leaf clovers in the long view of history. It didn't just happen, people made it happen, and they and those who came after them paid a price in blood and treasure to create and preserve this nation that we now take for granted. More important, this country's survival is not automatic. What we do will determine that. Too many Americans today are not only unconcerned about what it will take to preserve this country, but are busy dismantling the things that make it America. Our national motto, E Pluribus Unum, from many, one, has been turned upside down as educators, activists, and politicians strive to fragment the American population into separate racial, social, linguistic, and ideological blocks. Some are gung-ho for generic change without the slightest concern that the change might be for the worse, even in a world where most nations that are different are also worse off. Most are worse off economically, and many are much worse off in terms of despotism, corruption, and bloodshed. History is full of nations, and even whole civilizations, that have fallen from the heights to destitution and disintegration. The Roman Empire is a classic example, but the great Chinese dynasties, the Ottoman Empire, and many others have met the same fate. These were not just political changes, they were historic catastrophes from which whole peoples did not recover for centuries. It has been estimated that it was a thousand years before Europeans again achieved as high a standard of living as they had in Roman times. The Dark Ages were called dark for a reason. Today, whole classes of people get their jollies and puff themselves up by denigrating and denouncing American society. Such people are a major influence in our media, in our educational system, and among all sorts of vocal activists. Nothing illustrates their power to distort reality like the way they seize upon slavery to denounce American society. Slavery was cancerous. But does anybody regard cancer in the United States as an evil peculiar to American society? It is a worldwide affliction, and so was slavery. Both the enslavers and the enslaved have included people on every inhabited continent, people of every race, color, and creed. More Europeans were enslaved and taken to North Africa by Barbary Coast pirates alone than there were African slaves taken to the United States and to the colonies from which it was formed. Yet, throughout our educational system, our media, and in politics, slavery is incessantly presented as if it were something peculiar to black and white Americans. What was peculiar about the United States was that it was the first country in which slavery was under attack from the moment the country was created.
What was peculiar about Western civilization was that it was the first civilization to destroy slavery, not only within its own countries, but in other countries around the world as well. Reality has been stood on its head so that a relative handful of people can feel puffed up or gain notoriety and power. Whatever they gain, the rest of us have everything to lose. All right, so uh, this is our third segment, and uh, this is the first uh, clip I'm going to play. There's actually a couple clips here. Well, there's actually one long clip, and it's about uh, 16 minutes. I think you'll be fascinated by it. It's Peter McCullough. He's the most uh, celebrated heart specialist in the United States. He's written more articles about the heart than any other person in the history of the world. Uh, he's also a renal spe- specialist, kidneys. He's also the head of the medical school at University of Texas, Austin, which is called Baylor University. He's also uh, connected at the highest levels in our government in terms of medical. So uh, pay attention. So I'm going to play this clip right away because it's long, and I want to get it in this segment, and then I'll have a couple minutes to start getting into this life insurance talk or I'll talk about some of our sponsors and then uh, get do the life insurance uh, spike and deaths in the next segment. Okay, here we go. Okay, this cannot be a crisis of the unvaccinated. It cannot. We have 110 million individuals who did not take the vaccine. The CDC tells us 146 million of us have already had COVID-19 like you and me. The bottom line is America has been covered. The vaccine program basically has been exhausted. It's failed as a public health measure. And them trying to blame unvaccinated is a fraud. It's, it's, it's fraud. It's fraudulent. It's untrue. It's pejorative. And it's divisive at this point in time. That's right. It's and, dangerous. There's been violence against the unvaccinated now. And, and, you know, family members have taken this up. Do you know family members actually blame other family members for spread of the virus? Family members actually prohibit other family members from attending uh, gatherings at Thanksgiving and Christmas. What I'm telling Americans is that if people don't have symptoms, it's fine to get together. But like any other time, If you have symptoms, that's your cue to stay away. Now, what do you do if you have symptoms? Let's bring up the next slide. These are the two seminal papers I published uh, uh, leading the world in treating COVID-19, and they operate on these important principles. We basically say, listen, this is a mass casualty event. We use the precautionary principle. We look for drugs with signals of benefit and acceptable safety and put them into combinations. And we've done this from the very beginning. And I want to show you the reason why. This is the conceptualization of the virus. I told Americans this in the U.S. historic U.S. Senate hearings, November 19th of 2020, that the virus has three major phases, viral replication, cytokine storm, and thrombosis. No single drug is going to handle this. People wanted to put hydroxychloroquine on a pedestal or ivermectin or even the monoclonal antibodies. No, we use drugs in combination. Now enter Omicron. Omicron now is replicating 70 times faster than the other versions. It's all about viral replication, and we can get after it early. Where is it replicating in the human body? Let's get to this. 
It's replicating in the nose. And I want to let you know this analysis by Chopra and colleagues looked at virucidal agents in the nose. What can we spray up in the nose to kill the virus, Alex? And I can tell you, it is extraordinary the findings of these authors and others indicating that it, almost anything will kill the virus. So iodine does. So does um, uh, hydrogen peroxide. So does uh, um, colloidal silver. Uh, so does various forms of ozone. The virus is killed easily. The nose and the nasopharynx is a replication factory. That's where the fever is coming from. That's where all the cytokines is coming from the nose. So that's where it's first getting its beachhead. It's getting its beachhead. In fact, with Omicron, that's pretty much its entire campsite as it attacks uh, the body. And it can't go anywhere because it's up in the nose. And uh, it's very important for people to realize this. It's not a hand infection. We've seen a preoccupation with hand sanitizer. I see it in my house. I keep telling people, listen, it's not on the hands. It's in the air. We're breathing so it in. So let's talk about that because, I, I mean, where do people find or, or who do they talk to to make sure? Because obviously you need to dilute iodine. You need to dilute hydrogen peroxide. You want to, uh, I guess, uh, you know, the salts you put in the neti pots. That I was reading in studies that those are good uh, every day. I mean, this is something everybody should be doing anyways. When I forget to use a neti pot, uh, I mean, I feel it when, when I do use it. Austin's got a lot of allergies. Then the, 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 when I forget, I have big problems. Everybody really should be, what, neti potting every day? I can tell you right now. Or is it nebulizer? What's better? I can tell you right now. There are so many different ways to kill the virus in the nose that the general principles are if it stings or hurts, it's too strong, Alex. It takes almost anything you can do is going to kill the virus. Uh, here is an overlay that uh, I want to give credit to two uh, dentists. One is Dr. Bernadine in Dallas, and one is Dr. Paul Gossett, who was just hospitalized with COVID himself, bless his heart, in Chicago. Paul texted me this morning. He's getting in the hospital. Thank, thank God he didn't go on the ventilator. Early treatment pulled him through. But the bottom line is this is just one of the many recipes. You can go on America Out Loud Talk Radio, McCullough Report, and find this one uh, on American Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. There's also other slides. I can tell you right now, you can write this down. Take povidone iodine, the typical brown iodine, half a teaspoon and a shot glass of water, and you got it. It's, it's basically... Uh, uh, 1.5 cc's of water. And then look at that bulb syringe. You know, th that that pediatric bulb syringe or spray bottle, you got to go over the sink, spray a decent amount up each, a spray of a nodule, sniff it back, and then spit it out. If you're going to nebulize it or use a neti pot or a saline wash system, that's fine as well. But it literally has to get up in the nose and back in the throat and spit it out. You got to choke a little bit, but that's a sign that you're zapping the virus. And it's a few drops of iodine in like a shot glass of water. It basically, if it's if it's the uh, uh, consistency of like dark tea, that's basically going to do it. And then here's the pivotal trial. This is what I want people to understand. This is a prospective, randomized, uh, uh, controlled trial. And give credit to Chowdhury et al. in Bangladesh. Let's get it up on this on this screen. You know, our uh, uh, federal agencies have been saying follow the science, follow the science. Randomized trials are the gold standard in science. This is 606 individuals randomized to three different, to two different groups uh, receiving the povidone iodine. It comes in a 10% solution. We dilute it down to 1%, but it doesn't even matter if it was 0.5%. We don't have to be that specific on the dilution. Again, as long as it's not too strong. And they did aggressive washes. Let's bring up this slide here, the next slide showing, uh, just advance to the next slide. And you can see everybody at the start, Alex, is PCR positive. Look at this, 303 people in each group, PCR positive. Look after three days of doing 
the iodine washes in the nose and mouth and gargle. Look at that. They're down to 35 patients who are still PCR positive. It knocked the crud out of the virus. Look compared to the control group. Control group was just warm water. And then look at how the virus basically persists in most people for seven days. This nasal therapy, there's nothing else going on. There's no ivermectin. There's no hydroxychloroquine. This is the only thing going on. And this is knocking the crud out of the virus in the nose. Proof positive. Prospective randomized trial. So if you're going to go to a big busy train station, you're going to go on a big trip, take an pot, take a nebulizer and flush your sinuses and throat out once a day. Or take a spray bottle. You can just simply uh, buy a, a simple spray bottle, load it up with this uh, dilute solution, sniff it up and just you know sniff it back and spit it out. We tell people, listen, you come out after a day at church, you're traveling on a plane. Well, plus a home. little bit of iodine is good for your body. I mean, I guess the type we sell is. Can you can you just go ahead and swallow the regular type? Or you don't want no, to. No, we don't recommend swallowing it, it because up. we can't control it. But let's bring up the next slide. People say, okay, Doctor McCall, that's great. You can you can zap the virus in the nose. Does it clinically matter? Let's take a look at this, Alex. Hold on, we got to go to break final segment with dr peter mccullough and then christy lee's coming in with exclusive excerpts of dr robert malone this morning detailed interview the big joe rogan interview dropped as well get that and share that at spotify we'll be right back on the other side this is life saving information all of you watching millions of you are already awake if you simply share this video once it's archived at Bandai Video this afternoon or take the live feed now and share it and tell them to share it, it causes the chain reaction. And that's what the tyrants fear, the chain reaction. You are the resistance. We need you to share this. We're about to close out with Dr. Peter McCullough, who I really appreciate with his amazing crew, coming in here on the final day of 2021. Robert Malone literally walked out this morning. We said bye to him. And then I turn like like a movie, and here's Dr. Peter McCullough. So this this place is as busy as, as uh, Central Station, Grand Central Station, with great patriots telling the truth. And some of the top scientists in the world have now officially come out and said, pull the worldwide vaccine program. It is a disaster. We're going to cover that in a moment. Another huge development, but you were getting into iodine uh, dissolved and in the nasal passage and what it did, not just um, uh, making the test show that they didn't have it, but but what did it do to the actual body? Sure, sure. Povidone iodine to basically drop the infectivity, zap the virus in the nose. We're talking about doing this every four hours when people are coming down with COVID-19. Let's bring up the slide showing the clinical results. This is the Chowdhury prospective, high-quality, randomized trial. Take a look at this, Alex. You have 303 people, only two people hospitalized without the need uh, 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 need for oxygen support, 10 hospitalized needing for oxygen, and there were two deaths. Compared to that to the control group, here we've got 14 people hospitalized without the need of oxygen, 63% in the hospital in Bangladesh needs oxygen, and sadly, 17 patients die. It's night and day, I'm telling you, without any other treatment, just zapping the nose with povidone iodine uh, in a nasal spray or nasal wash. You could use other forms of iodine. You could use dilute hydrogen peroxide. But, when you, use but, but here's the thing. Whenever you or doctor or anybody else tries to talk about this on the internet, on Facebook or Twitter, or anywhere, they take you down. Believe it or not, when this was this broke several months ago, and when we featured this in some of our educational lectures, there was a physician email that went out through, I believe, Medscape that said anti-vax doctors push iodine and uh, patients will get iodine poisoning and die. Which is a total lie. You need iodine to live. But I guess just to be safe, you say, fine, spit it out. That's what we said. So well, uh, AAPS yeah. said 
Uh, to be clear, we're not telling people to swallow it. This is for topical exactly, use. Because they'll have one of their people drink a bottle, go to poison control, and sue you. No, we're not saying that. Well, believe it or not, the ophthalmologists use eye drops using this. I'm telling you, this is very safe. Believe it's, me, I know all about how wonderful iodine is for you. I got right. It's like so, our main. So, so Alex has got this. Let's go ahead and bring up uh, the dramatic announcement from Dr. Gert Vandenbosch. Now, Gert Vandenbosch has basically, for the second time. Uh, message officially the World Health Organization, and he. And so the guys can telling, put that in because I know your producer sent it to them. Say it slow. We'll, we'll pull it up because I just saw the headliner. Hand me your phone again. I'll just show it on TV that way. Doctor, explain this again because this is important. I want everybody listening to write this down, to search this, and to get this info because the globalists work around the clock to keep this from getting out. Overhead shot, please, guys. Should be able to bring Second this. call to WHO. There it is. Now tell us who he is and why this is so important. Gerd Vandenbosch is a preeminent uh, virologist. He's actually a trained veterinarian, and he was in the preclinical sciences, but he has worked for virtually every major manufacturer. I was about to say, I've seen that guy for years on TV. He has worked for the Gates Foundation. This guy, oh, that's where I've seen him. He is a vaccine proponent. He helped develop vaccines. He, like Dr. Malone and Dr. Byron Bridal and Dr. Michael Yaden, as people who know vaccines, has come out with no agenda. He has no conflict of interest. He is telling the World Health Organization, shut it down. Don't try to vaccinate against Omicron. The vaccine program has basically walked us into Omicron, which turns out not to be a bad thing. Believe it or not, this could be the happiest byproduct of the vaccine program. But he's telling them, as I'm telling America, it's time to shut it down. And, and I remember, what, six months ago, they yellow slipped the main regulatory group uh, in the U.K. that under law they're supposed to listen to. So they just said, we'll change the law. They said, time to pull this. The evidence-based consulting group in the U.K. analyzed the yellow card system, not the VAERS system, the yellow card system. And they reported to the MHRA in an official report. Now, this is the group, this independent consulting group, the lead consultants to the WHO. They wrote the MHRA in an official report saying shut it down, not safe for human use. And that's the main group that advises the government. They advise the WHO and the UK MRHA relies on them. How are they going to keep stonewalling this, paying Rachel Maddow $30,000 per show to say you're totally safe if you take it, no one ever got sick, don't listen to anyone, this is a, a, a pandemic, an epidemic or whatever of the unvaccinated, and then now Trump saying it. How are they going to get away with this? Because it's, it's like all, it seems like every expert there is, is, the more prestigious, the more they're saying don't do this. The will of the people, the backbone of the people, and the discernment of the people will break it. It's only going to be a mass public stand that will break this cabal. Because as you said, I mean, look at this, Netherlands wants six shots now. Israel's up to four or five, and this is insane. No one who values their health should ever commit the body to a series of a multi-year injections of genetic therapy. It just simply cannot be done. Let's hold the line and hold it here. What needs to happen to, because you brought this up before we went live an hour and a half ago or almost two hours ago, Senator Paul has done a great job exposing uh, the fact that Fauci and others lied about cooking this stuff up at Wuhan. I mean, it's clearly that part of it was man-made. Where does that need to go now? Because I feel like if we don't punish the perpetrators, uh, then they're just going to do this again. Crimes against humanity uh, have, you know, basically complaints have been filed in international courts by lead attorney Reiner Fulmich from Germany. Uh, there's no fairness in the courts now. I, I think the bottom line is you, you saw the, the news rails. Uh, Australia is walking themselves into concentration camps, basically vaccine concentration camps. You saw arrests going on. 
and horrific things going on. Oh, they're even grabbing political enemies, like senators, and saying, we're just going to keep you till you shut up. We're going to punish you and keep you longer. They're not even acting like it's to, it's to stop a spread. They're not even uh, infected with the senator. No, it's, it's it, the bottom line is there is no secrecy here. This is a test of wills. This is a show of strength. This is who's bigger and stronger. And I can tell you, we have the truth. And that's what the other side doesn't have. And when we archive this today, I want to put that clip right there up front in this interview because you're absolutely right. This is about a global ID. It's about a medical tyranny. It's about big corporations running medicine, not doctors and, and researchers and nurses. Uh, and and it, it's about them playing God. And I'm telling you, they've jumped the shark because there's no way they're going to get away with this. They got greedy. They do. And the bottom line is we're bigger and stronger. We can decide and we will decide what goes in our body and what doesn't. And now is the time for strength and backbone worldwide. We got a few minutes left here. I really appreciate you. You're speaking all over the country. Again, where people find your great uh, weekly program and, and everything that Dr. Peter McCullough does. You can follow me on Twitter with great um, expertise now from social media experts. I'm up across all the platforms. I am strictly within the boundaries that I'm aware of in terms of what I can post. Uh, you can find me on America Out Loud Talk Radio, The McCullough Report. I do a weekly report. This week, I just submitted a wonderful interview with courageous former Trump advisor, Paul Alexander, probably one of the smartest and insightful evidence-based medicine scientists in the world. Paul Alexander on The McCullough Report on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I am the voluntary chief medical advisor for the Truth For Health Foundation, truthforhealth.org. People want to know, how can I help my loved one in the hospital? How do I get these treatment protocols? How do I get any educational videos on vaccine safety and efficacy? How do I get any advocacy? Go to truthforhealth.org, truthforhealth.org, and see the array of offerings there. There's some other wonderful sites, though. I have to tell people, uh, for physicians, all the doctors out there, Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, aapsonline.org, aapsonline.org. And people say, wait a minute, I'm desperate for treatment. Where do I go? If, if, if they are desperate for treatment, can't get hold of their doctor, go to myfreedoctor.com, myfreedoctor.com, led by Dr. Ben Marble, an American patriot. Great guy. Great guy. Also, very high-quality a program, American Frontline Doctors, AFLDS.com. All right. I hope you uh, enjoyed that. That is not the uh, Joe Rogan clip, but it's a, a different show. But I played the other clips, uh, I think, last week or the week before. But if you want to go back and listen to the Joe Rogan clips, you can on Rumble. Easy to find. I wanted to mention a couple people here. we got a couple minutes left that, that make it possible for us being uh, – on this podcast and also on live radio on Saturdays. And that's a, a couple of guys who were kind of getting ready to expand all power services, five, three, zero, eight, four, four, zero, three, four, seven. Their name says it all, anything that deals with power, they work on it. So, uh, from vehicles to chainsaws, to tractors, uh, off-road, um, motorbikes, vehicles, uh, weed eaters, lawnmowers, they just, they know how to fix stuff. And they also are expert uh, fabricators and custom welders. And they're all, they got all the certifications. And you can reach them at 8440347. And they are out at 1469 Stewart Road in Yuba City. But they may be on the move to a bigger location because they may take on a little dealership of a power, a power system. So, uh, 
check them out, and uh, I think you'll be happy. Also, uh, Dr. Cassidy and I have been working on helping addicts, and you can reach him. Uh, in fact, I'm going to call a guy that just called me tonight before the show. You can reach Dr. Cassidy by calling Peachtree Health at 530-749-3242. We'll work with all your addiction issues, he and I. I just help with logistics. Uh, if first, when, they, when they ask what do you need him for, just say addiction, no big deal. That's his specialty, but he, he is a regular doctor treating other things as well. If you want to uh, text him, if you can't get through on the main line at Peachtree, just text 530-682-8648. Please don't call him. He's working a lot, so text him, and he'll get back to you. Tell him you can't get through or you need an appointment, something along those lines. And then finally, if if that uh, if neither seems to be working for you, just dial me, 530-713-1838. You can call me or text me, and I will figure out what is going on and get you hooked up. We'll be right back. Call Lincoln. At Lincoln, we got three rooms full of great carpeting for just 29 Although you might not believe it, I was once a highly paid executive for a major electronics firm. I'd come home exhausted every evening with a nagging headache and jagged nerves. Well, all of that has changed now that I've learned about welfare. Thanks to welfare, I've quit my job. I sleep until noon, watch television all day, and I still get a check every month in the mail. Why, I even save money at the checkout counter thanks to Welfare's convenient food stamp program. And, unlike unemployment, the benefits never run out. You don't even have to speak English or be a U.S. citizen to qualify. Sound incredible? Well, it's true. If you'd like to find out more about Welfare, just pick up your phone and dial toll-free 1-800-WELFARE. That's all there is to it. Operators are standing by now at 1-800-W-E-L-F-A-R-E. Don't spend another week at work. Call now. Welfare. It's not just a benefit. It's a way of living. Sponsored by the United States government. World number one tennis star Novak Djokovic is now basically a political prisoner. And all because he dared to obtain a vaccine exemption to enter Australia. Last night Djokovic was detained, interrogated for eight hours and told he'd be deported. This after two separate medical boards had already approved his exemption. Djokovic travelled to Australia after receiving an exemption from the Victorian government granted after a process that included a panel of health officials. He was approved to board the plane flying into Melbourne. Then the Fed stepped in. This is a disgusting, odious, cynical stunt. 
and it was almost certainly a setup from the very start. Don't forget, Morrison threatened to deport Djokovic the day before he even arrived, saying that if his papers weren't in order, he'd be on the next plane home. And then, oh, what do you know? His papers aren't in order, and he's being deported. Let's not be stupidly naive. They planned this witch hunt all along. They're making an example out of Djokovic. They're using him to send a message to everyone else. If we can treat a global superstar with virtually limitless legal resources like a a dangerous criminal. Imagine what we can do to you. This isn't a visa paperwork issue, it's a despicable show trial. This is the same country that literally incarcerates people in COVID internment camps and arrests them when they try to flee. This is the same country that bursts into pregnant women's homes and arrests them for criticising lockdown measures on Facebook. This is the same Prime Minister who doesn't even have to follow the same quarantine rules he imposes on everyone else. So don't tell me about the rule of law. This isn't the rule of law, it's arbitrary lawless. To the technocrats, Djokovic represents the threat of a good example. As his mother said, the tennis champ is, quote, someone who is a revolutionary and who is changing this world. As his father said, quote, Novak has become the symbol and a leader of the libertarian world, a world of poor and oppressed nations and people. They can incarcerate him tonight, shackle him tomorrow, but truth is like water as it always finds its way. First, they confiscated Djokovic's belongings, including his wallet at the airport. Then they told him he couldn't quarantine in a rented apartment where the rest of his team is staying. Then they imprisoned him in a flea-ridden shithole hotel with a bunch of illegal immigrants. And that's his punishment. In the Serbian Orthodox Church, Christmas Day is celebrated on January 7th. So now he gets to wake up on Christmas Day in a ghetto guest house, completely alone. They've also tried to turn the general public against Djokovic with variations of this argument. Well, everyone else in Australia has faced hardship as a result of the mandates and restrictions. Why not him? Which is basically like saying, all the other slaves have had to wear their chains and embrace their serfdom, so why not him? We already knew Australia was the world's preeminent biosecurity police state. But this is a whole new level. They turned the world's number one tennis star into a political prisoner and caused an international incident. All because he doesn't want to get jabbed. Are you paying attention yet? So we've been talking all along about how the, the COVID was was uh, just a common cold, and it had been jacked up and put some new wheels put under it by uh, American and Chinese scientists, so it had a little more pop. But even with that, some of the best medical people in the country said, even if you didn't treat a person with anything in particular, that almost all people would not be a survivor 99% of the time. So this was hyped. Uh, it was just hyped, lied about. Uh, you were defrauded. You were scared. Your kids lost a year of their life. Uh, I don't want to keep going over that, but my point is that this has all been a ripoff. And it all led up to a way to make a lot of money and to get 
to change the way we run society, which is to create a totalitarian society where your every move is managed and you don't have freedom anymore. So that's why you can't go here without a mask. You can't go there without a vax. Now you can't go here without a vax with a booster and, and a mask and a current PCR test. Uh, I just heard that one tonight after you get shot, mask, and you have to have a fresh PCR test. I mean, you know, people, this is just a scam on us. And so I was uh, speaking to you uh, a little bit earlier how uh, the predictions were that because <clears throat> the injections were going to mess with your immune system, your immune system was going to be overstimulated, and you were going to have what they call a cytokine storm you can look that up a cytokine storm and uh you are going to end up really sick when your immune system is challenged you're going to get really sick so now we have one of the top executives in america he's the uh uh he's the executive of one america it's the life insurance company his name is scott davison no d and davidson davison ceo of one america he is noticing a change. And the member I told you that in Yuba Sutter County, if you look from year to year to year to year, the deaths would be about the same if the population stayed about the same. It just stuff happens. Births, deaths, births, deaths. We have a little bit more, more control on births, don't on deaths. And so, <clears throat> so anyway, Scott Davison is blowing the whistle that they have noticed a 40 percent increase in total deaths among Americans aged 18 to 64. That's what we call working aged Americans. That's bad news, right? Now, some people have been questioning uh, my talk about all these professional athletes that have been dropping dead, many of them in Europe and of heart attacks. And they're in the prime of their life. They're in tip top shape and they took the jab and died. So, this, uh, this article says the red alert situation is unfolding right in front of us. The human race is being slaughtered through the injection of clot shots that are deliberately designed to reduce global population through death and infertility. Now, for some of you, you're just not buying this saying that somebody would actually try to solve the world's problems. They, they see the world as being full of problems. God does not. And, uh, but they see we need to we need to solve too much population, too much being seven. They need to eliminate 7 billion people of the 7.5 billion. This is all written down. That This is all written down by them. And they're going to reduce global population through death and infertility. Now, many of the vaccines, uh, the, the current vaccines, are, are causing miscarriages, and they're causing people to not be able to have kids. And uh, other vaccines that the Gates Foundation has been promoting in, in uh, brown countries like India and Africa, uh, they uh, have in them a, st a sterilizing factor. And it's causing people to not be able, in other words, instead of giving them birth control, it's just taking care of that. Boom. So in an article published by the Center Square in Indiana reveals how Scott Davison Notice this 40% increase. So he says, we are seeing right now the highest death rates we have seen in the history of this business. That's the insurance business, not just at One America. 
the data is consistent across every player in this business. That means every insurance company. Davison said that the increase in deaths represents huge, huge numbers. And that that's uh, it's not just elderly people who are dying, but primarily working age people, 18 to 64, who are the employees of companies that have group life insurance plans through Ob- one, one America. And he says, and what we saw just in the third quarter of 2021, we're seeing continue into the fourth quarter of 2021. You know, statistics roll in later. And we're now in the first quarter of 2022. And we're noticing that death rates are up 40% over what they were pre-pandemic. Just to give you an idea of how bad that is, a three sigma or one in 200 year catastrophe would be a 10% increase over pre-pandemic. He said, uh, so 40% is just off the charts unheard of. So uh, in his own words, Davison says they are mandating vaccines in the workplace and raising premiums in lower vaccinated countries, counties. We have over 3000 counties in the United States in lower vaccinated counties. They're, uh, they're raising premiums because they mistakenly guessed that there was going to be a high death rate among the unvaccinated. Wasn't ever going to happen. It just wasn't ever going to happen. They weren't, the insurance executives were buying the lie that, that this was a major problem and it had, everybody had to be vaccinated. So the insurance companies are making billions. Billions will die. And there's going to be a new control over all of society. Now, the premiums will change to higher vaccinated areas at as time moves on, is my guess, David said. In other words, if you have a 90% or 95% vaccination rate, they're going to bump the premiums up. When you have all these people dying at the same time, they can't pay out death benefits. They don't have enough money. So uh, he said there's some things to understand here. The data being quoted by CEO Davison is third quarter 2021. It's going to worsen over time, according to people like Judy Mikovits, Sherry Tenpenny, David Martin, and many others, uh, Peter McCullough, Robert Malone. Number two, these deaths are not classified as COVID-19 deaths. They are deaths from other causes, according to medical records, cancer, autoimmune disorders, heart attacks, strokes. They are largely adverse reactions from COVID vaccines, of course, as the FDA has long known, and they printed it. Number three, if a 10% increase in deaths is a three-sigma event, a 40% increase is something higher than a 12-sigma event, meaning this is not mere coincidence. This is a common cause behind these deaths. That cause, of course, is COVID injections. (coughs) COVID injections, which we have concluded are depopulation bioweapons. This is a top CEO of an insurance company saying these are depopulation bioweapons. Now, whether you believe this or not, you're not going to see our death doctor, Fong Lu, talk about this and associate these deaths with COVID or with the vaccine. You're not going to see that. But you saw her address anybody. They could have been run over by an elephant, stomped to death by a giraffe. They could have fallen off Adventist Health. They could have been stabbed to death, shot, poisoned, and they would all be considered COVID deaths if they swabbed their nose and there was any 
indication of COVID, they call them a COVID death. Now they're not wanting to touch any of these deaths as related to the vaccine. Number four, life insurance companies are facing financial collapse as this trend continues. I'm telling you, they're all collapsing. I'm telling you right now, they're all going to collapse. And then they're going to go to the government and say, we're too big to fail and we need you to pay all our bills. Uh, which it will. They they will soon need a government bailout and life insurance rates being charged to employees will skyrocket. Uh, that's what's going on here. He says, do the math. Here's how we get to nearly 100,000 excess deaths per month. There are normally about seven. This is so interesting. There are normally about 7,755 deaths per day in the U.S. In other words, day in, day out, year in, year out, you're going to see about 7,755 People pass from the USA pre-COVID. This is pre-COVID. The 40% increase in mortality now being seen by life insurance companies, if applied across all age groups, would mean an additional 3,100 deaths per day. Multiply that by 30 days and you get over 93,000 excess deaths per month in the USA. We got problems, people. Where are you even going to? It's going to wear out the mortuaries. Fong Lu, the doctor of death, (coughs) convinced the sheriff, the sheriffs to go out and buy all these excess body bags and get a refrigerated truck to stack up the dead bodies. And it didn't come to pass then, right? It didn't come to pass then because COVID was not a killer. They had to make it into a killer. They convinced people it was killing people when it really wasn't. Now the shots are killing people, and they're going to need those body bags, and they're going to need that refrigerated truck. So uh, this insurance executive says, remember, this is third quarter data from 2020. This means fourth quarter data will be even worse and the quarter one, 2022, so it means 2021. He's talking about 2021. That's the data. But he said, when we look at two, like the quarter we're in right now, we've got people dropping dead left and right. In fact, I got an article about all the pilots that are dropping dead. That's right, the pilots that, that fly you around the United States once, once upon a time. Uh, in addition, he said, we will have cancer deaths starting to skyrocket due to spike protein interference with chromosomal damage repair mechanisms, which, which is why I'm predicting we will see over 1 million cancer deaths in calendar year 2022. Now, I don't know how many cancer deaths we normally experience. I'm going to look it up, but they're going to look at 1 million. Uh, he said it's a roughly, he, he said it's roughly a doubling of the usual cancer death statistics. So he's saying there's around $500,000 cancer, 500,000 cancer deaths a year. And he's saying that will double. Uh, Giving these accelerating factors, failing immunity, accelerated cancer death, tumor growth, uh, cancer tumor growth, and the addition of yet more booster shots, there's no question that 2021 is going to see an extra 1 million deaths in the USA and uh, perhaps many more. It could be 1.5 million or even up to 2 million. Now, it's interesting that originally with covid uh, the British uh, nut nutcase, I can't remember his name right now, worked for Imperial College, predicted over 2 million COVID deaths in the U.S., which is 
outlandish. It was totally outlandish. I think we're going to get there. We're just going to get there in a different way. And the people that created the vaccines and are not stopping the vaccines, even though people are dying, you know, that in 19, I think it was 71 or 76, the swine flu vaccine, when Gerald Ford was president, they had like 25 deaths and lots of people paralyzed uh, with Guillain-Barr syndrome. And they shut the whole thing down. They, they threw out 250 million vaccine shots. And now uh, they are doing that. Now, let me tell you why. Because people are paid off. Doctors are paid off. Hospitals are paid off. Doctors have always got kickbacks from drug companies. Uh, the, the drug companies are controlling United States politics. We got all these politicians investing in, in, uh, in the drug companies. We got the drug companies owning the federal, uh, uh, or not federal Food and Drug Administration and the CDC, Centers for Disease Control, and the NIH, National Institute of Health. Those are not government entities. Those are private, uh, pharmaceutical funded, and they are controlling those. And this whole scenario was managed by the drug companies plus the global reset people like George Soros and Klaus Schwab and the, and the rest. And so they have come up with a, uh, and you're going to see, see this talk today about this mass formation psychosis that people couldn't think for themselves. They just couldn't think. And, uh, so anyway, this, uh, he, he goes on to say, this is all happening because the COVID vaccines and quotes are really depopulation bioweapons. Dr. Robert Malone has noticed the signals and has sent a new warning to the world, uh, period. Uh, it says, he, he says, it's starting to look like the largest experiment on human beings in recorded history and that it has failed. And at this rather dry report from a senior Indiana life insurance executive holds true, then Reiner Fulmick, <coughs> Reiner Fulmick is a leading attorney in Germany who has put together something like a thousand doctors and I don't know how many attorneys to sue the government uh, for crimes against humanity, uh, including this country. And uh, he's pushing Reiner, Reiner Fulmick is pushing for convening new Nuremberg trials uh, to start to look at less chaotic, chaotic and a lot more prophetic uh, outcomes with the uh, COVID shots. If this holds true, then the genetic vaccines so aggressively promoted have failed and the clear federal campaign to prevent early treatment with life-saving drugs like ivermectin, uh, vitamins, hydroxychloroquine, budesonide, uh, and monoclonal antibodies uh, has contributed to a massive avoidable loss of life. Now, it's interesting that this, this, uh, the media is also a big part of this, uh, this lie, and they have, uh, they have portrayed this in, as, a, as a government righteous call on, on all these drugs. <clears throat> and and I, I just want to let you know that if you'll do your own thinking, you may come up with the right answer. So Beale Air Force Base has a huge stockpile of hydroxychloroquine. I, a friend of mine actually saw it, personally saw it recently. 
Yet they're saying that hydroxychloroquine is of no use and not a good good product. Ivermectin is being used with state populations of 260 million people in India to stop COVID, but it, it isn't being used here. Monoclonal antibodies is frowned upon and avoided at Adventist Health. In fact, I just got I just got a, a report today that a person I know, I've known her for years, was sick, went over to Adventist Health for some reason, went to the ER to get a test <coughs> to see if she she had COVID for some reason. They gave her the test and a $1,500 bill. Now, you can get free tests for COVID all over the place. You do not have to go to the ER to get a COVID test. And she complained. But the, the ER, the Adventist Hospital, is making a mint off COVID. Thomas Rents, who's an attorney in the Midwest, he did some research on the Medicare and Medi-Cal codes, how much they're paying hospitals for people to die, etc. Their guesstimate, and these are inside whistleblowers, is that that hospitals are making about $100,000 for people that end up in the hospital with COVID per, per patient. And if they're charging $1,500 to swab, <clears throat> swab a person's nose, that's just unbelievable. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, we're looking at between 7,700 daily deaths to 15, up to 15,400 da- 15, daily deaths. Uh, we're going to lose about 1.7% of the entire U.S. population in one year, just one year. And we're going to lose some of our uh, brightest people, like we're going to lose our children and people at our working age. So it's not like 75 or 85-year-olds are going to go back to work at the same profession. They can work part-time if they're healthy, but they're not going to be able to fill in construction and, and all these jobs. So... uh we got a problem. Furthermore, he says, we've been living through the most massive, globally coordinated propaganda and censorship campaign in the history of the human race. All major mass media and the social media technology companies have coordinated to stifle and suppress any discussion of risks of the genetic vaccines and or alternative early treatments. Like people, I I just saw uh, a um, physician's, uh, what do they call it, a physician's assistant or something like that not a physician but the next step down she is recommending that people go to the local people here in the yuba sutter county's area go to the gridley hospital now gridley hospital is a tiny little hospital up in a tiny little town that's only 2.4 square miles and then they're sending them up to little hospitals like the feather river hospital in oroville to get monoclonal antibodies and Adventist Health is is deceiving about how to use and what they're used for. It, it's just unbelievable. So uh, we'll be right back and get to into our fourth segment uh, in just a minute. Or actually, we're going to be doing our uh, fifth segment in just a minute. Okay. Are you on the, uh, when I travel the summer, they give me a 
which I've never gotten before. The, the extra mileage or free well, bonus? What the, is that? I'm on the Delta one, the Frequent Survivor Program. <laughs> 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 yeah. If you make it through, you know what happened to that? I mean, I don't know. Now that, and I mean, they that, had another incident last night with some plane landing at the wrong airport. It wasn't Delta. It was well, whatever it was. They were going into the wrong airport, and somebody said, "No, Harry, no." Well, they had that near. What are they doing? Following the railroad tracks or something? You know, is, it, is this it? Well, you know, a lot of this is deregulation because you have. You know, you have people flying. It was $80. Yeah. You have people flying now who used to hitchhike or cling to the bottom of trains to get there. <laughs> you know, you, you, you get on the plane now and it, woo, people with goats and chickens. Because, <laughs> you know, it used to be a sophisticated... I remember the old days when you would fly. Halfway through the flight, the pilot would come out and he would walk down the aisle Read of the plane. The now, now it's like running the gauntlet. You know, he walks out, people... Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> get in there. They lock, they stay locked in the... <laughs> But, you know, Delta, I, well, actually, some, I think they've they, had some problems. Well, they still have the best safety record, I think, I, I, yeah. I think of all the airlines. But you see, even in the slogans, you know, it used to be Delta, the airline run by professionals. Then I think two years ago, it went to Delta, we're ready when you are. Right. Is, the new slogan, this is the one they've been using, Delta, we get you there. <laughs> now, shut up, sit down. We'll get you there. We're ready when you are. I like that. That's the you know. And that's the one they used to have. The one that amazed me was this one, this near collision with the Continental one. I mean, the only two planes in the sky, they came within 50 feet of each other. You know, you put 10 horses in a corral, they run around, though, they don't bang into each other. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of space up there. Oh, God. Yeah, well, let's... Well, the worst are the commuter ones. I have flown those like you if you play small towns. Oh, boy, this is... Without fun. putting any of them down. You don't know that in, in Minnesota... I once had to fly out of Minnesota, and I called, and they said, you go on Gopher Airlines. <laughs> Gopher. Now, not that, that, is, that Minnesota happens to be the Gopher State, and I had forgotten. And I said, I don't want to get on any plane named Gopher. I mean, it just, <laughs> but that's, the, that's Gopher Airlines. That, that's the thing. You know, those are the kind of airlines that when they do crash, you only hear about it on cable. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? They, they come in with a bulldozer as a mass grave, a little headstone. Nobody really, they thought so little of themselves. You know, that kind of... No one really cares. You know, you want to go down on American United. There's something, something that's going to make the papers. You know, they, go for a little back thing behind go the Go for airlines, yeah. Prince Andrew's second attempt to have a sexual lawsuit against him dropped has been rejected by a US federal court judge. Live now to our reporters, Miley Hogan is in New York. Miley, what happens now? Well, Angie, it means that it moves forward to a hearing inside a New York City courtroom, something that lawyers for Prince Andrew had been working hard to avoid. They'd argued that the case could not go ahead here in the US because the accuser, Virginia Dufresne, lives in Australia. But a judge has dismissed that. Virginia Dufresne claims that she was trafficked by convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell to have sex with the Duke back in 2001 when she was just 17 years old. She also claims that she was abused by Epstein himself. Now, Prince Andrew has previously admitted to being friends with Ghislaine Maxwell, but strongly denies the abuse claims made against him. He says he doesn't even recall meeting Dufresne. Well, lawyers for Dufresne say they have up to six witnesses that contradict that statement and can place the prince uh, with his accuser, and all of this will play out in a court in just a matter of days. Angie? 
Thank you, Miley. Now to Europe Bureau Chief Hugh Whitfeld in London. Hugh, Prince Andrew is facing some pretty serious repercussions. Well, Angie, a lot depends on the outcome of uh, that trial in New York. But the reports here in London are that behind palace walls, royal aides are discussing whether or not Prince Andrew could or should be stripped of his title as Duke of York. The Queen granted her son the title when he married Fergie in 1986. And there's the possibility that Andrew may be forced to put that Duke of York title into a form of abeyance, similar to the situation surrounding Prince Harry and Meghan. It's possible that the Prince could also be forced to give up his home on the Windsor estate and be unable to travel internationally. Buckingham Palace is refusing to comment at this stage, with growing calls too for London's Metropolitan Police to investigate Prince Andrew and the allegations against him following Ghislaine Maxwell's conviction in New York. The Met has previously reviewed the case three times, but it's never gone to a full investigation. So we're going to do our fifth segment today, and uh, I want to mention to you that we're going to listen to a clip now by Robert Malone. The first one was by Peter McCullough. Robert Malone is the creator of the mRNA um, discovery, Uh, and he's going to be talking on an interview with um, Joe Rogan, okay? So here we go, and I'll be back. Uh, It's about 12 minutes. I'll be back. In uh, in that time, and we'll have a few minutes to talk before we uh, break for go to the sixth segment. Okay, be right back. But who are these three fringe epidemiologists? Well, they happen to be full professors from obscure universities: Oxford, Harvard, and Stanford. Okay, and they were warning about lockdowns. They were warning about lockdowns in the Great Barrington Declaration. That's what prompted that. And can you explain the Great Barrington Declaration? So these three esteemed, high-profile academic epidemiologists came together and said and did an analysis, comprehensive analysis, about everything that was known about lockdowns and their impacts during infectious disease outbreaks. And they came out with a specific statement You can find it on the web. Look up Great Barrington Declaration. And they came out with a specific statement that these lockdowns were going to cause more harm than help, which was contrary to the messaging that was being put out by Tony. And so Tony decided that they had to be destroyed. And then you had Francis Collins recently coming on Fox News after these emails were FOIA'd and brought out into the open and saying that if we had followed their advice, millions of people would have died. This is the, this is the fallback. Anytime you criticize these guys, what they say is, oh, you're killing people. I mean, they do it to me, too. And uh, for me personally, it's so confusing that I find myself in a situation where I feel compelled to have people like you on because I don't know where else this is going to get out. I don't. So, so um, thank you. On, on behalf of, you know, in my case, I'm the president of the International Alliance of Physicians and Scientists. We're over 16,000 people from all over the world, 
physicians and scientists. And you can find our website at www.globalcovidsummit.org. Um, we are gobsmacked about what's going on. Um, and we are shut down, censored, demeaned, fill in the blank, all over the world. And over a period of two years, the world's completely changed in that regard. And um, they're taking our licenses and uh, license to practice medicine because we are speaking about these matters. And you can label me however you want to label me. I don't care. I've done what I've done in my career. I'm at a stage at 62 years old. I've got a farm. It's almost paid off. I raise horses. I love my wife. You know, I've been married a long time. My kids are both married. I've got grandkids. But, you know, I don't need this. Um, I'm, there's this claim, I'm doing all this because I seek attention. Trust me, this is not a fun thing to be doing um, at this stage. Physicians at FLCCC, in senior positions, highly, like Peter, McCullough, people at the, at the culmination of uh, exceptional careers, Paul Merrick, um, an exceptional physician, by any standards, run out of his hospital, demeaned, destroyed, actively attacked, trying to take his license. This is this medicine is being destroyed globally. People are losing faith in the whole system. They're losing faith in the scientific enterprise. They're losing faith in our government. They're losing faith in the vaccine enterprise. I mean, what is going to be the long-term consequences of public health when you have a large fraction of the population who wasn't anti-vaxxer, that pejorative, before, that are now saying, oh, my God, if this is how these people make decisions, I don't want anything to do with it. I certainly don't want it jabbed into my kid. Now, you just glossed over the financial incentive um, to report a COVID death. What is that? What is the financial incentive? Because there's all these rumors that you would hear about what a hospital gets paid per COVID death and that the government gives them money and that they're incentivized to make something market down. It's not rumors. It's not rumors. Um, now, I don't have the specific numbers at the top of my head. I'm not a hospitalist. I'm not a hospital administrator. But the, the numbers are quite large. There's something like a $3,000 basically death benefit to a hospital if it can be claimed to be COVID. There's a financial incentive to call somebody COVID positive. The CDC made a determination in year one. This is why all of our baseline data is junk. What is the financial incentive to say that they're COVID positive? The, That's why the PCR cycles are ramped up so high? I, the, I, I, again, you're asking causation. Right. I, I can tell you that the hospitals receive a bonus from the government, I think it's like 3000 bucks. if someone is hospitalized and able to be declared COVID positive. They also receive a bonus. I think the total is something like 30000 in incentive if somebody gets put on the vent. Then they get a bonus if somebody is declared dead with COVID. COVID. Okay? So... They have an incentive at the front end to declare somebody COVID, a COVID case. The CDC made a determination that they, they were going to make a core assumption if PCR positive, 
and you die, that is death due to COVID. And so the the extreme example, just to to show the absurdity, um, if the patient comes in with a bullet hole to the head, um, and they do a nose swab, and they come up PCR positive, they're determined to have died from COVID when in fact they died though? from lead poisoning. That's real. Yeah. So they've really done that with gunshot victims. Car I don't know about victims. yeah, yeah. For for sure, trauma and other things. I've seen that said, but I've always thought that's ridiculous. There's no way a hospital it's, would do it's that. It's not. It's not the. It's not a question of what the hospital would do. It's a question of med codes. So the code is set that if you swab that person and you are you're supposed to swab them and and you get a positive signal and the are you person, obligated to swab them no matter who they are if they come in with an injury i believe it's the common practice i don't know whether the, whether there would be an obligation that would be a hospital by hospital policy statement. so that it really is true that if someone has a gunshot wound and they're dying of that gunshot wound and you check them for COVID and if they're COVID positive and they die, they marked it off as a COVID death. That is a that is by definition from the C D C. That was a decision that was made early on. That seems insane. It, that there is that there is that's why so many of us are so much in arms. There's good modeling studies that probably half a million excess deaths have happened in the United States through the intentional blockade of early treatment by the U.S. government. That half is a, a million. Half a million. That is a well-documented number. Okay, And it's the combination of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. Pfizer is one of the most criminal pharmaceutical organizations in the world based on their past legal history and fines. What do those fines include? Bribing physicians. Okay, It is a cost-benefit analysis in the pharmaceutical industry about misbehavior. They are not grounded in the ethical principles that you and I, as average people, believe in. They don't live in that world. As you appropriately point out, they are about profit, return on investment. And furthermore, the overlords that own them, BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, etc., these large, massive funds that are completely decoupled from nation states have no moral core. They have no moral purpose. Their only purpose is return on investment. Okay, so anti-vaxxers, you'll recall, is the, the label that is used to, to basically take anybody out that is raising any concerns about vaccine safety. Um, it's it's the pejorative that's applied, and it makes it really easy for the media to basically um, take off the table anybody that's saying something that is contrary to the interests of the really the vaccine industry. Right. Um, so there was a decision that this same toolkit, this same integrated um, international media and high tech um, organization, led by the BBC would be pivoted to resisting vaccine misinformation and disinformation. And uh, they put out a proud press announcement last fall that this is what they're going to do. And um, they defined these things, misinformation and disinformation, as anything which was going to lead to vaccine hesitancy and which was contrary to the official 
statements of the World Health Organization or their respective national health organizations. So if CDC says the world is flat, then the world is flat. And there will be no discussion about whether or not the world is flat. I'm using, obviously, an ex right. a, a, a simplified, um, silly example. Um, so whatever the CDC or Tony Fauci or Tedros, etc., says is truth by definition. And any, any information or discussion which is contrary to that truth will be suppressed. It will be deleted. And those people will, that are, are expressing these opinions that would lead to vaccine hesitancy, which to some eyes would be informed consent and, and decisions by an individual that they believe the risk-benefit ratio doesn't matter, doesn't make sense to them, that, will, that information will not be allowed, and those people that are spreading that information will not be allowed to interact in the public sphere in social media. Okay, so that's this kind of, if you want to unpack this whole thing, it starts by understanding the Trusted News Initiative. All right, welcome back. Uh, hope you enjoyed that. You can, of course, get the, the long version of that on rumble.com and just put in the uh, Joe Rogan and uh, Robert, Mc Robert uh, Malone. Okay, so I'm going to mention a couple other people that have been uh, key to keeping us on the uh, Internet and on the air, as they say in radio, and that is uh, Thrifty Rooter. And uh, they have come on this year to be a great help, consistent help for us paying the bills. And uh, they have been around here for over 40 years. You can reach them at 530-673-8201. If you've never heard of Thrifty Rooter, they are the plumbing specialists. And uh, that's R-O-O-T-E-R. And uh, you can reach their uh, website very easily at thriftyrooter, one word, dot net. It's a very good website, .net, thriftyrooter.net. And uh, you can look there, and they have a whole menu of services they provide. So if you wonder, I wonder if they do this, or I wonder if they do that, just look there, and they'll tell you the whole thing. But they basically do everything involved in plumbing, plus they have the big uh, pumper tanks or the pumper trucks that come out, and, and they'll, they'll relieve your septic system when, for some reason, it gets backed up. So uh, with all you folks out there in the rural areas of Northern California, that's a big asset to give you some breathing space to get your problem fixed, okay? So uh, Thrifty Rooter, they're located all over uh, in several counties up here in Northern California. Yuba Sutter, they've been here for many years, but they're also in uh, adjacent counties. But just call them at 530-673-8201, or you can actually email them if you're used to using the computer or your phone you can actually type them or or text them a message and tell tell them what their problem is and that you need their help right right there you can do it right now if you have a problem uh or when obviously whenever you're listening to this show so give them a give them a head uh heads up give them a shout out and um also they're looking for plumbers and they would probably train you if you are really the type of person that, that they could put their faith in. So you could give them a, a call. Maybe if you're a plumber, you were a plumber uh, by trade, and you kind of semi-retired or retired, and you just want to work some and make a little extra money, uh, they might even consider doing that. 
The other people are Greenitz Construction, Dave Greenitz, green with ETZ on the end, and Dave Greenitz has got the, the hottest construction operation in the area in terms of making amazing kitchens and baths, uh, changing, uh, putting you into the current decade. And he has great subs that he works with, and uh, they just... Uh, Actually, I'm just going to refer you to his platforms, greenitzconstruction.com, very simple, and Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook page. And there you can see the before and after, and, and that'll speak for itself. You know, a lot of times when you get to know a contractor, you're trying to find a contractor, you'll say, well, is there any way I could go look at a job you did, right? Well, that's a little awkward. People then have to let you in the house, and you really don't know what the place looked like before. <coughs> Nowadays, they take a before and after photo, and they even do a design before and after so they could um, show you what, what could be done with the same space. Pretty cool. So give him a shout. Uh, he's very busy. You may have to wait a little bit, but, you know, if, if it's the best you want, maybe worth waiting for, okay? Uh, also, Elite Universal Security, Monty Hecker. Uh, Monty got out of the Air Force, and he thought, you know, I may be retired from the Air Force, but I'm not retired from life. So I'm going to start me myself a business. And he started a security business called Elite Universal Security that uh, headquartered in Yuba County, but now is all over the North State. So if you're listening to us from another county up here in the North State, uh, you can call them at 530-749-0280. <coughs> and just ask the question, are you up here? Do you got any jobs going on up here? And could I go to work for you up here? And uh, it just, it doesn't matter if you don't have any experience. They will train you to do the job, whatever the job uh, they have in your region. And so if you ever thought about going into law enforcement, you thought, well, I'm not ready for law enforcement. I'm not quite old enough to go in, but I'd like to do some guard work. Or if, and even uh, if you want to work part-time, and you're an older person, you're retired from your previous job, and you want to do some work, you don't want to be sitting home all day, and you could use the extra money, uh, they would love to have you. 530-749-0280. You can look at their website at EliteUniversalSecurity.com, or you can go to API-Academy.com, which is their, they show all their schooling. They can help you with your concealed weapon permit if you don't want to go to work for them, but you just want a permit and you don't know where to go to get one. They got their own range. They got their own classrooms. Very easy. They also teach you how to use some of those chemicals that maybe you got for Christmas to spray somebody with and uh, tasers and all that kind of stuff. So check them out, Ali Universal Security. You can either come and they'll give you a job or you they'll do your job for you, keeping you safe. And whether you're a business or whether you're uh, residents or whether you're government, they'll, they'll help you out and get you squared away. Uh, also, my friend uh, Nellie Garcia at North Valley Paralegal is a key supporter here. She's at 751 Sutter Street. Before I met Nellie, I didn't understand how much a paralegal could do that we pay attorneys for at two or $300 an hour, right? Paralegals do it much cheaper, much faster. And you get to know them. They're very nice people. They're very personable. It's uh, it's not stiff like working with an attorney a lot of times. North Valley Paralegal, they're right here in Yuba City, but they'll serve all over the North State. And you can reach them at 530-751-9289. You're going to get better service and pay less 
if you can do it through a paralegal. North Valley Paralegal, 751 Sutter Street. It The Sutter Street runs right under the 10th Street Bridge and right under the 5th Street Bridge. She's located just up against the 10th Street Bridge. So uh, 751 Sutter in Yuba City. And we're going to take a break, and then we're coming back for the final segment. Yeah. Okay. An American of Chinese ancestry got into big trouble when the private school at which he was teaching had a public discussion of the American bombing of Hiroshima. He recalled how, as someone growing up in China, he had rejoiced when he heard of the bombing, knowing that it could deliver his people from the horrors inflicted on them by the Japanese. That, of course, was not the politically correct response, as he soon discovered from the backlash, hostility, and ostracism that eventually culminated in his leaving the school. The anointed do not want anyone upsetting their vision. When they say diversity, this is not what they have in mind. Hiroshima has become one of the many symbols of a countercultural hostility to America among the intelligentsia in general and the revisionist historians in particular. The 50th anniversary of the bombing of Hiroshima on August 6, 1945, galvanized Newsweek magazine into Monday morning quarterbacking half a century after that Sunday. The revisionist line is that it was unnecessary to bomb Hiroshima. We could have invaded, we could have negotiated a settlement, we could have done all sorts of things. Newsweek magazine's estimate today is that there might have been 20,000 Americans killed in an invasion of Japan. This is quite a contrast with the estimates of the people who had the heavy responsibility of fighting the war at the time. General Douglas MacArthur, who had been selected to command the invasion of Japan before the atomic bomb was tested and shown to work, told Secretary of War Stimson to expect more than a million American casualties alone. British Prime Minister Winston Churchill also expected more than a million American casualties, together with half a million casualties among the British troops who were scheduled to hit the beaches with the Americans. Anyone familiar with the history of the Japanese soldiers' bitter resistance to the death, very few were captured alive, will have no trouble understanding why such huge casualties were expected. American Marines lost more than 5,000 men taking the little island of Iwo Jima, and the Japanese themselves suffered more than 100,000 deaths when Americans captured Japan's outlying island of Okinawa. That was more than were killed at Hiroshima or Nagasaki. Newsweek's pushover scenario, which would have had Japan defeated in 90 days, would be funny if it were not so sick. Winston Churchill's estimate to the House of Commons would have had the war with Japan ending in 1946, and the Pentagon's estimate was that Japan might even hold out until 1947. Not only was there a Japanese army which had proven its toughness and skill on many a battlefield, there were 5,000 kamikaze planes ready for suicide attacks on Americans invading their homeland. If these planes managed to take out just five Americans each, they alone would have killed more troops than those in Newsweek's rosy scenario. Japan's civilian population, including children, were also being mobilized and trained in suicide attacks on enemy troops and tanks. 
it would have been one of the great bloodbaths of all time. Of course Japan could have been defeated without the atomic bomb, but at what cost in lives of people killed in other ways, and in larger numbers? The other tack taken by the revisionist historians is to say that Japan was ready to surrender before the atomic bombs were dropped. The most obvious question is, why didn't they do it then? Indeed, why didn't they do it after Hiroshima was bombed, and thereby spare Nagasaki? Whatever negotiations may have been going on behind the scenes, surrender was by no means a done deal. Even after both cities had been destroyed, it took the unprecedented intervention of the emperor himself to get the military men to agree to surrender. And even as the emperor's message was being broadcast, some military officers were killed trying to storm the studio where the broadcast originated. The real question is not whether Japan was willing to negotiate some kind of end to the war, but whether it was ready to accept the terms being offered, which involved not merely military capitulation, but acceptance of American occupation of their homeland. It was this occupation, like the occupation of Germany, which turned a militaristic nation that had launched several wars in recent times into a peaceful and democratic country. This was an historic achievement made possible by the terms of surrender, which in turn were made possible by the two atomic bombs. On net balance, this saved not only American and British lives, but even Japanese lives, not to mention the lives of people in Asia, like our Chinese-American schoolteacher, who told a bitter truth which the anointed did not want to hear. We ran our kids up to the Walmart last year to see the Christmas village up there. We wasn't there more than ten minutes. Somebody was already running a meth lab out of the gingerbread house. <laughs> the hell? I mean, I love shopping at Walmart, but dadgum, that's like a meth maker's paradise in there, ain't it? <laughs> Walmart's the only store in the world you can go and see somebody buying 16 boxes of cough syrup and some garden hose. Nobody thinks that's weird. Gave a shot at Walmart after midnight? Holy smokes. Oh, they ought to charge a cover charge in there after midnight. That gum, it's like a casting call for Ripley's Believe It or Not in that place. If you've never been to the circus, go to Walmart after midnight. You're bound to see a couple of bearded women, a toothless wonder, and the fattest man in the world on a scooter up there. They got good deals after midnight, though. Last time I was up there after midnight, 75% off self-esteem. That's right. I walked in there like this. I walked out like this. I was like this. So this is our uh, final segment for the evening or for the day or for whenever you're listening to it. And uh, it's about 20 minutes. The other night at uh, church, I, I attend a church on Saturday nights and uh, we de- we work a lot with addicts and people that have had a troubled past life. And uh, a guy came up, he used to work in the carnival. I never met anybody that worked in the carnival. That was kind of his career. And uh, while working in the carnival, uh, he had a real alcohol problem, and somehow he heard about 
the church I go to, Glad Tidings in Yuba City. And um, he somehow felt he should come there. And I don't know whether he figured we had a place to live or not, but he came up and just said, can you help me? He had an alcohol problem. And he's been there a couple of years, not living there, but lived there for a while and uh, has just done marvelously and has been uh, recovered from alcoholism. And he's just a wonderful guy. Now he's living uh, separately, uh, involved in the church, serves in the church, but he uh, has a great job, love and life, and is a real help around. But he came up to me and he said, Lou, I've, I've, I've got this alcohol thing beat, but I, I'm really having a tough time with cigarettes. And uh, Dr. Cassidy and I help a lot with uh, all kinds of addiction. <clears throat> right now, we just had three fentanyl overdoses recently, and I, I'm fearing that they all died uh, this last week. And uh, so anyway, he said, can you give me some leads on I need some help with uh, – with a smoking problem. So I'm just going to mention to everybody, and I sent him the exact article that I, I stumbled onto. And the term right now is called kick it California. And it's a state program to stop, help people stop, uh, being stuck with smokes, nicotine. And, uh, it's, there's a California smokers helpline and they renamed it, uh, kick it California. And uh, you could go to web the website kickitca k i c k i t c a dot org. It's uh, they say it's uh, it's free. Uh, it's a mobile friendly website, uh, and it has an array of resources available for free. And also, you can connect with somebody and talk to them, a counselor. So, other ways to get started on the path to better health, including. You text the words quit smoking to the number 66819. So, dot, you know, put it in your deal, 66819, and put just quit smoking and text that. And you should hear somebody, something back. If not, uh, an alternative is dialing the 800 number, and you can dial 1 800 300 8086. 1 800 300 8086. Some of my friends who have done heroin and uh, meth have said, Lou, some of the, after I got off that, the hardest thing was to quit smoking. <coughs> and, and, and with the addicts I work with and some of the programs I work with, if you have any addiction, it's a doorway back to the addiction that was destroying you. And so whether it's food addiction, alcohol addiction, you know, I've had some heroin addicts start drinking beer and think, oh, well, beer isn't as bad as heroin or meth, and I was on meth for 10 years. Any addiction is bad, and it will lead to a stumbling block. It will become a stumbling block for you. So back to Kick It, uh, the program offers services in English and Spanish, including coaching, and in some cases providing nicotine patches, gum, and lodges at no charge. <clears throat> now my friend, who's my ex Carney guy, such a lovely guy. I'm so happy that he chose to come to our church and uh, get straight because uh, he's just a, a wonderful person, and I enjoy getting to talk to him. But he uh, he said, Lou, I've tried to gum. I tried the lozenges. I, I'm just getting my butt kicked over here. So sometimes coaching can help. And uh, being around people, being a, having an accountability partner, 
because you're really trying to leverage yourself out of a habit. And uh, sometimes having somebody ask you, hey, how long you've been without a smoke, right, uh, pushes you to stay without a smoke longer. Uh, it says here, Kick It California has helped more than 1 million Californians kick the habit. I was raised in a home with a half-brother, half-sister, and a, two parents, and everybody smoked all day, ashtrays at the end of every seat, and the, we just smoked, smoked, smoked. I never smoked. I couldn't breathe well when I was a youngster. I had asthma problems. It doesn't make me, me a stronger person. I was just had I was sickly, and uh, in cars rolled up windows, smoke, smoke, smoke. Tough. It was tough, and uh, so it says we're here to help you take that first step towards being tobacco free. So I'm all you people that hear me talk about. I get calls. In fact, when I get off the air here, I'm going to call a guy that's got a heroin problem and be talking to him tonight about getting him in a program. It says, notably, more than 70% of all smokers in this study tried to quit, regardless of mental health status. The high, high rate at which the sampled smokers sought help quitting indicates that counseling, like others, like the services offered by Kick at California, can provide a great opportunity towards improving smokers' quality of life. Quitting smoking is a process that often takes several attempts to succeed, but it's well worth the effort. So I, I can give you all kinds of statistics, but I don't have time about how fast your body recovers once you take that last smoke. But the the other thing that sometimes people judge other people, and what I mean by this is that, uh, this, what I mean by that is this, no matter how you got off your problem, don't overlay that stencil on other people's lives and think, well, I got off this way. I never relapsed. I just got off and quit. So you should too. <coughs> or I prayed a prayer and I got off. So you should too. That's ridiculous. And so you don't know what that person's like on the inside. And what I've learned about, uh, addiction is that, uh, sometimes there's relapses to addiction and you just have to weather the storm with people through that relapse to get people over that hump. And usually it's a tough time. They're going through some kind of stress or whether you believe in demons, they got to, demons are working on them. But, uh, so don't get many times people have quit, quit, quit. It states, Oh, it took six times, six, 10 times. <clears throat> Other times it said, somebody said to me, I just decided to quit one day. I was done, done, done. And I walked away. Boom. Uh, so this says over time, you'll have lower risk of heart disease, uh, poor reproductive health outcomes. In other words, you can't have kids. You having trouble having kids, 12 types of cancer, including lung, liver, and bladder. Uh, you're going to lower your risk within the first 24 hours of quitting nicotine levels and the blood drops to zero. But the second week circulation has improved. By the second week, sec circulation has improved and your lungs are starting to work so much better. Did you know that quitting can add as much as 10 years to your life expectancy? And uh, my father uh, died uh, younger than I am right now. And he was, a f other than eventually getting cancer, he was healthy his whole life. But he smoked every single day. And I wondered if he could have had a really good life another 10 years. But uh, anyway, I just wanted to bring it up. I usually don't talk much about it, but I, I got a, uh, this request from my friend. And I was out at Yuba, Yuba County Health uh, with a heroin addict one day. And there were some ladies outside 
by a table. I said, what are you doing out here? And they said, oh, well, I said, I could tell it was something about smoking. And I said, are you offering smoking classes, anti-smoking or stop smoking classes? He said, oh, no, we don't do that. But we just connect you with these people at the Internet and they help. So that's why I'm bringing it up to you. So you may be thinking, oh, man, it's it's a new year. It's 2022. We're only like six days into this. And I'm going to kick rear and I'm going to drop these smokes. I don't know. I used to say when I taught a finance class that smokes were costing $1,500 a year. And uh, I think they're probably costing twice that now on a lot of smokers. So there's a lot of things you could spend that money on. Come on, baby. So uh, check it out. Let's see uh, what I want to do right here. We have seen things uh, in the medical community. Excuse me. I need to drink some tea here. We've seen seen things with this COVID thing in the medical community. I never thought I would see. I I have had a huge respect for doctors in general as a class of people and their occupation. And uh, I've had doctors had I've had a few operations. And I've just had marvelous results. I've had doctors that I didn't agree with everything they did. Uh, my first, uh, as a, as an adult outside of my parents' home, the doctor we we had growing up moved to uh, L.A. So I got a doctor. I liked him a lot. He helped me. We we had a ministry taking care of people off the streets. He helped me for free, take care of people. No doctor would do that. I don't know any doctor would do that. He did it, but I later learned he was he killed children through abortion. And uh you know, life is a mixed bag and but um but he served well. So anyway, with this COVID thing, I've learned things about the medical community that is troubling to me and and it all has to do I believe with money, strings of money and strings of, if I don't follow all the rules of the medical dictatorship, I will lose my license. And I understand completely. Uh, I've never been in that, but I, I understand, uh, what, what the pressures are pressure. I understand pressure. So in China, this is the type of things we're dealing with here. Like the other day, the arts council in Yuba Sutter arts council, they, even though they take government money, they're forbidding people to come into their events unless you're uh, shot. You got the jab. You got the clot shot. You got the, the approved. You have to have their approved mask. Just any mask won't do. And you have to have a clear PCR test within 72 hours. Now, I don't know. <clears throat> and you have to have an ID to prove that you're the person on the clot shot form. I don't know how close they look at that 72 hours, but listen to this. This is what's so funky, but this is typical China. An expected mother who was eight months pregnant miscarried outside an emergency room. This child is still savable, right? Eight months. She's, she's, the baby's coming. She was outside the emergency room in northwestern China on New Year's Day after hospital staff refused to treat her without a valid negative COVID test. This is how crazy we have come in our societies. She did not have a valid, it's going to get worse. I'm going to tell you worse. 
The woman, who was not named, was eventually led into the hospital in Xi'an, Shanxi province. Two hours later, when medics noticed blood pooling by her feet. She was in there for two hours, blood pooling by her feet. Her niece said in a social media post, she underwent emergency surgery, but the unborn child did not survive. ER staff at the privately run Sion Hospital had denied entry to the woman because, listen to this, the test proving she was COVID-free had expired four hours earlier. They were splitting a four-hour hair instead of taking care of her and her baby. They were so Nazi-like and pharisaical. They killed her baby, basically. On Thursday, a notice by the municipal government of Xi'an, where 13 million people live. In, in China, all these, all these cities have 13, 14, 15, 16, 20 million, 25 million. I've been there. Many of these cities. Not Xi'an, but Xi'an has a beautiful geography around Xi'an. On Thursday, a notice by the municipal government of Xi'an, where 13 million people have, have been under full lockdown. You've probably seen this on, people have been raving to me about this lockdown in Sion. For two weeks, they cannot leave the, their, their dwelling. Uh, the, the hospital general manager was suspended over the incident. It, he may die over this. Their respective heads of the outpatient and medical departments were dismissed, according to the statement. Uh, anyway, that's the type of nonsense that's going on, uh, like masks. There's no studies that says a mask, uh, is needed for anything, any kind of flu, anything it's nonsense. But in California, we're mandating masks for our children. Still, it is the most incredibly stupid thing I've ever heard of. All right, I want to mention one other company before we uh, move on to our last topics. we got five minutes left here today. Uh, the plumbing doctor, my friend Ted Holmes, he's, he and I have worked together for years. We're working on a nonprofit project right now, a sevenplex, refurbishing a building that's over 100 years old. And uh, he's down taking a couple weeks off with his family on the coast, and I hope he's enjoying himself. He works hard. He's got the plumbing doctor, which is a – a number of crews and trucks that serve the Yuba Sutter areas, areas about any of your Trump plumbing needs. He's also looking for workers. Monty Hecker, Elite Universal Security is looking for workers. Thrifty Rooters looking for workers. Everybody's looking for workers. You know why? Because the government's giving people money not to work. And the plumbing doctor, if, if you want to be a plumber, they will train you as well. They also need workers for uh, he has a construction business. He has a liftoff uh, floor removal business. But you can reach him at all uh, regarding all these places if you want to go to work and make some money at 530-671-9111. All these people that I listed are honest people. They are fair people. They are kind people. They would do something for you to help you if you have uh, other needs in your life. They will They will direct you to the right place to get you some help in fact i had a lady called the other night on my phone that she was going to take her life 
and uh, she was not from, she used to be here in a lockdown facility, and now she's over in another area where her family is, and she was just having a rough time, and we were able to coach her a little bit, and she got the help she needed, and she, I just, I've been texting back and forth during our breaks here on the show, and uh, she's doing better, and she's working at a fast food place. She's a youngster, and uh, I told her we support her. She said, Lou, they don't treat women very well here. I said, well, you just be the best worker, whether you're female or male, and that will develop into muscle memory, and they will reward you on the next job. She says, well, no one ever told me that before. See, I said, well, I'm telling you. So people need to be encouraged. I told her we loved her and we cared cared for her, and we knew she had great qualities, and, and it's all coming together for her. And she said, you know, nobody's ever told me that in my life. And I said, well, I'm telling you now, so just face up to it. I'm telling you some good stuff, so hang in there, girl, and we're going to go somewhere with this thing. So, all right, um, let's see if I've covered – I think I've covered a lot of the uh, – I think on the clips today with Malone and McCullough, you heard them refer to some doctors uh, that were uh, places that you can get help. And uh, so you can do that, get medication. You could get a doctor online because there's been a shutdown. As I mentioned, there's a lot of pressure on doctors to not do what's right, right? to not do, uh, they, they want you to do things that the government wants you to do that are not healthy. Taking remdesivir and when you're really bad COVID is going to kill you. Putting you on the vent when you're really bad COVID is going to kill you. And, uh, and making it hard for you to get to monoclonal antibodies. If you look up Regeneron, R-E-G-E-N-E-R-O-N, uh, you can study about monoclonal antibodies, and they are good. They help. They help bolster your system. So if you've you got some other issues in your life, health issues, and uh, or you're a really old person, <coughs> you're a little feeble, you can take those now. You don't have to wait to have COVID. But there's a lot of misinformation. Even doctors are telling people the wrong thing. They're saying, oh, you can't take this till you really get sick. <coughs> And uh, it's not true. So I'm just telling you, uh, pay pay attention to what's going on out there. And, uh, you you know, nobody's going to watch out for your health like you are. So pay attention and get a second opinion, get a third opinion, and go get the health health you need. If you need to get some medication, I helped a 84-year-old woman that listened to this show. She she couldn't get ivermectin. I said, forget ivermectin. I'll get you some uh, wormwood, and that's the natural uh, derivative uh, that that ivermectin came from, wormwood. And we got her some, and she's taking that. She's doing better. And uh, she wasn't sick anyway, but she wanted a prophylactic. That's something that prevents the problem. Okay, so that's it for this week. Lord willing, we'll be back next week. But... Um, Whatever happens, do right out there. Help somebody, encourage somebody, because you never know what people are going through around you. All right? God bless you. Bye. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you. 
Dark, sacred night And I think to myself 